I'm sorry. Damn. It sucked. And not for killing you. I'm sure I had a good reason. I'm sorry for the fact that you're able to retain traces of another timeline. You're able to see through the vibrations of the universe. It means... I wasn't sure until just now. Sure of what? The night the particle accelerator exploded. You were affected too. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. I wasn't. Don't be afraid, Cisco. A great and honorable destiny awaits you now. People of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. <laughs> Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboy! It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast! And here he is, your man of the hour, up to the minute, Derek McCaw. Derek, TikTok Tyler. Tick. The man of the hour. Talk. Um, I've taken my Miraclo pill in the form of a cup of coffee, and I am ready to talk about nerd stuff. That's right, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. We are podcasting from the Brett Cave on Thursday, May 21st, and it's about, uh, oh, it's a little before 8 o'clock. So anything that happened up to about 7 p.m., we were, yeah. up, we're, we're up yeah. to date on. Anything after that? No. Which, of course, you know, something earth-shattering is going to happen, like, you know, the Suicide Squad reveals that... Uh, the Legion of Superheroes are all appearing or something really bizarre. Crisis on Tomorrow. Infinite Companies. That would... Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And they're across, of course, hosting us literally and taking... Uh, we do not have Nate Costa with us again tonight, but we, again, as we say, each, each week that unfortunately can't be here, we're hoping soon. It's one week where he's stepping up the Hollywood ladder. But I, I would say, yes, I'd rather that Nate be employed. Ladder. I'd rather the reason be that Nate is having a great job than than something else you know so there it is uh yes. so across from me here at the table is podcast producer and quasi moral compass you can you can never just let that go straight no i like can't that. no not anymore not, i've seen you at your darkest <sighs> no i haven't that's I what's really scary the light bulb that's what's really scary anyway, i'm just rick, introduce yourself i'm rick brett snyder there we go and i'm from earth thank you sparks uh so sparks brett schneider there you go. No, it, it just doesn't roll as well, though. I think. I think. It, it doesn't roll that well. Yeah, it's not I'll your fault. treatment written up tomorrow morning. It's not your fault. Um, you know, it's just it's just the way the name goes. Sparks Brett. No. no we'll, we'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, so, uh, yes, if you are listening to us on iTunes, please rate us, review us, 
Well, I think that's pretty much the same thing. I guess rate us and write a review and subscribe and tell your friends. You can do the same thing on the Stitcher app. Uh, you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com where you will also find uh, Amazon links so that if you hear us talk about something on this podcast that you'd like to explore further financially and you cannot find it at your local brick and mortar store and small business, please use the handy links on the Fanboy Planet website and purchase something through Amazon and we get a very tiny kickback and that helps keep things like hosting going and so forth uh, as well as if you feel like hey you're enjoying it and you just like to you know drop five or ten dollars to say thank you we got a paypal link there as well on every page at www.fanboyplanet.com and if we say something tonight that outrages you or that you really want to respond to in a positive manner i don't care criticisms comments commentary uh, suggestions right into editor let's at have an open friendly dialogue about it I don't know what that means in 2015. I don't think anybody does. Let's no just, death threats. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, please, no death threats. Uh, thank you, Rick, for that reminder. I don't know that our listeners... Oh, my gosh. If I've angered anybody enough that they want to wish death upon me, I, I'm i really sorry because I'm just a goof. I was going to say it. I can attest to that. Yes. Uh, that will stand up in court. And and Rick wishes. All right. So, uh, anyway, we got some comics news. We got some movie news. I, I think I some really fun fun stuff tonight. TV is where my most excitement goes because I, I'm going to gush up top. We're going to gush later about the Flash finale. So, when we get to television and you haven't watched the Flash finale, stop. Go watch Watch it. the Flash finale and come back because... Um, the greatest superhero movie made in 2015 was the Flash finale. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Mm. Made in 2015. Uh, released in 2015. Because they might start filming Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and it might top it. Well, wait. And I, Civil War we'll, might be. We'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. We got some comics. So let's start with comics. And that is first, you know, as, as Rick pointed out to me, we don't, obvi- uh, well, I shouldn't say obviously, we don't pay a lot of attention to manga on this podcast, partially because that's just there's so much of it. There's so much, and well, we're not expert. In. There's just so much. Like you, it's like, but it's like American comics too. You, there's so much of everything. We can't yeah. talk about everything, but and I don't even like to separate up manga because I just go. It's more about the titles, and it's a publisher that. You know, like I'm, I'm reading Attack on Titan and enjoying that well enough. You don't sit down and go, I'm, I feel like reading manga tonight. If you say, I feel like reading Attack, Attack on, on Titan. Titan. Right. Yeah. But so there is interesting because uh, vizmanga.com is offering free samples. Is the first five chapters? Is that what, uh, it's it's like the first two collections of a couple of them and one collection of others. Okay. Some random of, of some of only one of these did I not really recognize the title. Um, All You Need Is Kill, which of course was uh, made into a the film starring Tom Cruise as uh, Edge of Tomorrow, also known as Live, Die, Repeat, right. um, which I think is a better title than either one of the others, to be honest. Yeah. All You Need Is Kill is a good evocative title, but Live, Die, Repeat, I love that. Did you read any of that? No. No, I but have. I might now. I know it's, you've... It's actually, it's actually, the style of it isn't what you'd think of for manga. It's more of a style that you'd think of like from um, 2000 A.D., or you know, no, okay. It's it's a much more modern style. Well, I mean, that's one that uh, that I'd be interested in, uh, you know, checking out. So, I mean, I, I find this interesting. Bleach. I've heard of that. It's a vampire story. Yep. 
Uh, that one's uh, both, uh, it's an anime and as many of them are. Yeah. Uh, Naruto, um, which uh, our former correspondent Michelle Saman was just ape for. Yeah. Um, and actually. Because in- everyone should believe a ninja can wear an orange jumpsuit. No, absolutely. And uh, in uh, the American anime of it, one of my former students is a voice of one of the three main characters oh. in that. Uh, and I wish I could tell you which one because I've looked it up a couple times and said, oh, yeah, I should remember that name so I can drop that. I, I don't. But uh, <laughs> because I've never read Naruto, but people, I I think uh, Gaz Gretzky and, and Kulin Gretzky saw like stage musical in Japan. It's they, they went to a stage musical and the really cool thing that they saw there was when you were going to the theater, if you're not a Japanese speaker, you get these glasses that, oh, the, the that do the subtitles uh, as you're watching the uh, I think that's fantastic. I, I can think of a couple of musicals I've watched in English that probably could have used that. I can that. think of three or four right off yeah. the top of my head. Uh, so, Naruto, One Piece, very aware that that's a big it's one. And the only one I didn't know. Pirate. It's a yeah. superhero pirate. Yeah. And the only one I didn't really know was Food Wars. I have a vague recollection of of Food Wars, but I what uh, what you. you know upsets me about it is that Dave uh, Dave K, uh, occasional uh, letter writer, and I used to talk about how we we would do like bad mangas, and mm-hmm. one was a neighborhood chef, mm-hmm. and so I think Food Wars is close to our concept of neighborhood chef. And yeah, Dave, if you're listening, and I know you are. Um, another one of our concepts that reality either was ahead of us and we just didn't know because it hadn't been translated yet or um, they caught up to us and once again sort of like my idea for a Honey Badger uh, comic book a superhero called the Honey Badger I think somebody else did it and yeah. uh, not nearly as brilliantly as I'm sure was that I you or was that Lon Lopez's uh, creation uh, no I I came, had the idea he wanted to do something else with it and um, yeah okay um I actually, uh, to be fair, in one of those, it's kind of lost to time. I'm sure we both had different ideas on how it should be, okay. and came to each other. And but Lom was the one with more, um, more Energy. gumption, with more gumption to say, "Let's do a honey badger thing." And then I, I wrote up something, and then I don't know what happened. But life tends to get in the way of some projects, and you know. Uh, but somebody else did something with it. I, you know, so, uh, anyway, so that, that's interesting. So free comics, free comics, digital only. Yeah. I mean, I want to stress that because again, for someone like me, that is oddly enough, the only stopping point. And I think really the the reality is, um, that my laptop is too big to carry around. If I can get myself something smaller that I can freely use as a reader, I just don't have that right now. Well, so, the reality is that everyone says well, I can't afford an iPad. Way too small. Everyone says I can't afford an iPad, and you need you know, I need like a ten inch iPad. What well, you can probably afford an Android device, and it runs all the same software as far as this reading uh, reading comics is concerned. So, it's I'm not saying you should go out, but I'm just saying to the listeners, yeah. look into the Android if you can't for, afford. An iPad, and they're expensive. So you're saying like a Nook or a Kindle as well would work, right? A Nook, a Nook and a Kindle, but they tend to lock you out they're of some apps. They're proprietary. I'm just yeah. saying a, a generic, um, you know, 10-inch uh, Android that it, it can be done by any number of um, – Samsung does does tablets, but there are a lot of off-brands and stuff. And you don't need a lot of performance to read comics on one of these things. So if you're just looking for something to read, comics or books – they're they're out there, and I'm not gonna. I'm I haven't done my research to be able to recommend. I just know from pricing these things out. Yeah, before. I I think one of the things that has always held me back not to 
not to slow things down there just to say is that I've already invested in so many apps on an iPhone right that it, it, to get a, a to get a device that has a whole different set of apps is but they're free the readers are all free it still seems an awful lot to just yeah but maybe maybe if I said this is strictly my comic book device yeah, I think that's and it's a, a lot smaller mm-hmm. than the 23 thousand boxes in the uh in the garage yes. uh, of comics yes. so uh, there's just something about being able to open that book and smell it oh sure you can go that and home and do that I, I i will yeah uh so let's check in on everybody's favorite crossovers <laughs> there ought to be a theme for the crossover kind like of, a car collision maybe uh, you Screeching know, I have a, tires I have a friend, sound who, of metal I have a friend who is a very, very talented musician. I'm thinking I'm going to ask him to like compose certain themes for us. Uh, I think he would get a kick out of doing that. Um, Convergence and Secret Wars. And I put them together because they are, there are moments reading them that I'm like, wait, which universe am I reading about? And what's the difference between these concepts? And if one hasn't done one, then the other has done it, you know, and vice versa. Because Marvel announced uh, last week that after Secret Wars, um, and see if this sounds familiar to you, uh, that all the books will restart eight months after the, well, they will take place eight months after the end of Secret Wars. I think that's the right thing to do. Well, I'm just saying, we've seen DC do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, I, which is the flip side of what I loved about the original Secret Wars. I, one of the things, I mean, you know, it wasn't a great, it was just a fun read. It wasn't it was, a great series. Yeah, it was a silly it was a, miniseries. A, that, designed yeah. to sell toys. Yeah. L- you know, literally, there is, no one will argue that. But that it was, you know, when they went off into that dome, it was one page they went off, the next page they came back, it had been a year. <laughs> They'd had the Secret Wars for them. Yes. But the books didn't stop, and so you had to wait until Secret Wars was done to figure out what, if, why these characters were behaving the way they were, right. what things had happened to them right. that changed their behavior. So this is a little bit that different. That was kind of cool, though. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it should be – it's just that DC did that also after – was it not Final Crisis, Infinite Crisis that had 52. So uh-huh. you had the weekly series, the, the first of their big successful um, – weekly series that was catching up at the year after infinite crisis right and you i mean when when new 52 came out you had the two different superman books one that was um right, set five set years five years before which arguably might have been point zero for superheroes in the uh in the dc universe until they weren't yeah and then uh and then you had the one that was running in regular time, too. Yeah, so, so uh, we did not get a Secret Wars number three this week, but we did get some tie-in books. Yes, yes. And, um, I'm going to talk about some of mine and yeah, what's Yeah, I, I don't want to get too, too deep into that because some of them look really fun. I picked up a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I am totally caught up on Secret Wars. I just sat down and devoured yeah, every one of well, them. Well, except for one that you didn't realize it was a Secret Wars book. I am many weeks behind on, on – I'm several weeks behind on – Convergence. See, oddly, I'm caught up on the Convergence soul title. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, not the soul, the central title. Yeah. Um, which is just idea after <laughs> something happened this week. Like, it opened up with, oh, I mean, this is where the continuity thing is. So, like, everybody that's in, that's on the planet that's Telos in, um, in Convergence is an alternate universe version of things, even if they yeah. looked familiar. And so the regular new 52 guys are trying to come to 
Talos because they've discovered this planet is half in their reality and half out, and so they're investigating. Right. And so that confused me for a moment to remember that. That that, that was because I got so, well, Deimos is fighting, and they're all doing this. And you know what I, I, it makes me flash on is, I don't know, maybe it's 15 years ago when there were like six different Superman books, maybe maybe yeah. five or six. And what they did was you didn't have to buy them all, but if you were buying them all, there was a little triangle on the cover with the number in it. And yeah. the numbers were sequential across the different series to let you know the order in which you, you should read, read them. them. Yes. And that was great. And it just takes a little bit of editorial work to well, do well, that. Well, so far that really hasn't been an issue for Convergence. It hasn't. It, it was hasn't. a bit in spider in the Spider-Verse stuff. That's and it's, Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, feeling Marvel. that's yeah. Marvel. And it's feeling like it could benefit. And it's and, and again, it's just a recommendation. Oh, it could benefit Secret Wars. It could benefit saying. Secret Wars a little bit. Yes, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think on the convergence size doesn't matter. There's issues one and two of these alternate reality things. Yeah, and they're all none they of them are connected. They're all, and then yeah. at the end of each issue two, they decide, okay, now we're going to get to issue number eight of convergence. Um, and some of them have been very good. Um, you know, like I have open here, Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes versus the Atomic Knights. It was really good. Of course, I realize there's a flaw now in the entire Future's End concept. Yeah. That if you have this future world in which you have these cybernetic versions where Brother I took over all the superheroes and everything, right. but then you go up against other versions of the superheroes who have consistently beaten and contained those cyborgs. And yet Future's End is supposed to be the new 52, which is supposed to be the best version of them all. Right. Then clearly they shouldn't have given in to Brother I in the first place. You right. Know. And I know these are the things. There are billions of people, literally billions, who go about their day not worried about stupid little minutia like that. Where I go, wait yep. a minute. Um, and but, if you tried to explain it to them, they'd just kind of look at you like, you're crazy. I would go back to being in fifth grade, and they'd go, are we sure we can't just give you a Melvin right now? Yeah. Would you like a swirly? Um, and I would say, you're right, sir. I utterly <laughs> deserve this. I submit to moment. the swirly. <laughs> Your judgment has been passed, and I agree. Um, you know, so uh, and yet there are some, like I said, the Superboy and the Atomic Knights actually kind of uh, underscored why both concepts were cool. You know, um, I thought the Harley Quinn versus Captain Carrot was a little disappointing, but the but the Speed Force, where I think they, I think that was speed that that was Wally West and Fastback from the Amazing Zoo Crew taking on the cyborgs, uh, and. Uh, and that was no, no. I'm sorry. It was, they took on Flashpoint. They took on the Flashpoint Wonder Woman, and uh, that was actually oh, she's pretty badass. That yeah. was a, that was actually a really fun uh, miniseries, and it reminded me again of why I like. You know, I love the Zoo Crew. I don't know why I'm so in love with that concept. It just kills me. Um, but I also love, you know, what Wally West and his kids, and I, and I understand to some extent why that doesn't fly as well with licensing and we'll probably come back to when we talk about the the flash finale uh-huh. um you know it, it, season finale is you know it underscored why i miss those characters so much and what i thought was cool but i understand they have to be in the side so anyway that takes us to uh i mean we can talk about dcu i'm going to flip a little bit here and say uh because of this you know they in all their books this week they started launching this thing about the new dc universe an eight page insert that it kind of previews a little bit and explains what they're planning to do. So so they're launching this new initiative called DCU Y O U, which is like it's like 
because the New 52 didn't do this, clearly. We listen to you. We finally understand what you want. And we're going to tell you now. And we're going to tell you. So they're launching 24 brand new series uh, along with, uh, what do they call it, 25 fan favorite series. So the ones that have survived, the ones they haven't canceled. Um, and uh, 24 new ones that we didn't know we wanted. Right. And 25 that had sales enough, high enough, they'd be crazy to cancel them. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, and then they say, so they're talking about this. There's all these, you know, I love this. So here's where the problem. We're going back to basics with our legendary characters. Like Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. So, well, I've already turned the page and previewed a little something. If I were to say, what's back to basics for Batman for you? Uh, Jim Aparo's Batman, where he's oh, kind no, of no, like no. A- I think what you don't understand is the correct answer is Commissioner Gordon in a cybernetic bat armor suit. Because don't you remember? The, I obviously have. Don't to you remember the two decades of Bat of the first years of Batman where that was um, what Batman was? You know, I don't, I don't either. Uh, but uh, and if you were back to basics with Superman, oh, uh, I'm going to go with Bizarro then. Well, Bizarro's coming, but uh, but I would say no. The no secret identity, no glasses, and everybody knows who he is. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, he can't go anywhere without being recognized. Wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. This is the status quo. So they're going to do Superman without the Clark Kent secret identity, or he's going to be Clark Kent and everyone is going to know he's Superman? Everybody, know, everybody knows he's Superman. So because why Because Lois he... figures it out and prints it. Okay. And that was in the Divergence eight-page, you know, the free comic book. Which is still on my stack to read. Um, it's not bad. And Gene Luen Yang is going to be writing it, so I'm okay. going to give that a chance because I think he's a fantastic writer. All I need to know is at some point Mephisto will show up. And allow him to get his wrong secret identity universe. Back. Wrong universe. That's okay. Somebody will. They've got. They have a Satan character. I know they do. Oh, it'll be Neron. Neron will Mr. come back. Mister Mix Mixpitalix. Mister Mixpitalix. Yeah. Um, someday someone will teach me how to say it backwards. I don't know who that. And Wonder Woman. If you go back to basics with Wonder Woman, well, you stay with David and Meredith Finch because he draws pretty women. Um, and uh, the back to basics there. I couldn't even read it. I, you know, I, I accidentally bought the first issue of their, of their run, and it was so unreadable. We when we talked about it, how like horribly posed everything was, and, yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was just so cheesecakey. Totally countered who Wonder Woman is, and basically back to basics is they Donna, were crawling over the edge of a lip of a building up onto the roof. Yes, uh, Don, Donna Troy ver- is the anti Wonder Woman. She's oh, been good. brought back into this. Oh, country. good. Oh, so, good. so you're telling me that as as little interest as I have in Convergence right now, it's only going to get worse. Okay, and Green Lantern. Um, this is sort of back to basics, the basics of the 90s when people hated uh, the title, uh, which is what happens when Hal Jordan, the greatest Green Lantern of them all, oh, because goes of from being guy? the universe's most oh, uh, my God. space cop to a renegade outlaw with the deadliest weapon in the universe. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, only now he wears – oh, he looks like this his specter incarnation. So, um, Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's crazy. But there's the Bizarro thing. I am really looking forward to Gotham Academy and Prez. I think those could be potentially great, fun books for... Um, They've tried to redo Prez twice now, and it's not, not caught me for either uh, one. No, but this one actually makes sense. I do like this, that it's a teen girl, and she right. was voted to the Oval Office via Twitter. So I don't think it fits in the rest of the universe. I think it's just exploring it for the modern... It's like it. a, another Vertigo rethink title. Rethink it, and I think it could. I think yeah. it could be fine. Um, and Gotham Academy, I've really enjoyed, and Damien is going to start attending Gotham Academy. 
So I think that could be really interesting and fun. Okay. I'm not happy with Batman Beyond because they're killing Terry McGinnis and replacing him with Tim Drake in the future. And Oh. And they're out and out killing. That's just stupid. Yeah. Because nobody knows who either one of those characters is. Nobody that they're trying to entertain well, in new Well, Future's comics. End has brought Terry McGinnis back, and he's back in time. He didn't well, yeah. Come back for the, but, yeah, I don't, I don't like you know, the I, idea. I, again, Future's End, I read, like, the first month of that, and I stopped reading anything that was connected with it. I'm buying the trade paperbacks because Luke really likes it. Yeah. And, I, and there are some books, oh, you gentle listener, um, that I probably... Buy and read because it's my own mental block. I'm like the Riddler because I have to know. Because people ask me. I want to have that kind of, you know, if I'm going to sit here and say, okay, I'm not the expert I once was. But, you know, when we say we go to Bacon and say stump the Zorlac, yeah. well, I'm not going to rig the game and say <laughs> nothing after 2010 when I decided that comics suck. No, I'm going to still keep because some of it holds my interest and so, and there are some interesting things that were happening in Future's End. Uh, and they really put the focus on Grifter and I kind of like Grifter. I like Grifter a lot. You know, and so there were some interesting things there. But like all the all the concepts from Wildstorm are kind of getting mushed into everything else. Because they just don't fit. It's a different yeah. feel, you know. So anyway. The character designs are all they're keeping. So we shall see. What so there, there's, there's one of the 25 books is going to be a uh, Midnighter, right? A Midnighter. There was a preview for that last Which week. Which is more like Batman Back to Basics if he was gay. And had superpowers. Had actual superpowers. Because remember that Oh, yeah, he does have. Is, yeah, yeah. You know, but it, I, I still like the Midnighter as a character, regardless. His of His superpowers are subtle, though. Yeah, it's it's really heightened senses. Yeah, I think is yeah. fair to say he can anticipate. But I, yeah, I think it's gonna that's gonna be a fine book. There's new Doctor Fate coming. I want to at least take a look at. But you know, I'm I'm actually which, by the way, reminds me they're going to release Martin Pasco's the Doctor Fate solo stories, the Walt Simonson art from the '70s in a separate trade paperback. Those were good in time in time for Christmas. Walt Simonson's take on Doctor Fate oh, was yeah. Br- beautiful, wonderful. Stuff. So, but you know, I'm I'm actually kind of happy that I'm disappointed in this because I only bought three DC books this week, and they were uh, Convergence, uh, Superman, and one other. I can't remember which one. Um, and I still bought twenty five books. Yeah, I spent a lot of money. You know. And and if I in that, I don't think that's going to continue at the pace it's going to continue. Uh, it's at right now, but I am actively looking for where I can cut back. I am too. I am too. Uh, but I and, and the thing is, there are a lot of independent books that have come up for me that I'm like, I really like these. Yeah. But I'm also trying to trick to trades. Like I'm going to probably pick up Gotham Academy in, in trade. trade. Yeah. I'm probably going to pick up the Batgirl run. People tell me how great that is. I don't doubt them. I just feel like I jumped on too late. Or, you know, that I missed it, my yeah. window. And so, but that trade's coming soon. So I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, there are certain things where my budget becomes, oh, there's summer trade paperbacks going to Comic-Con and seeing if I can get them at a slightly discounted rate better than I would anyplace else. Um, yeah, but I mean, and then there are miniseries coming. And they've got a Batmite book coming. I love Batmite. And I guess, I guess the thing is, like, what I look for with DC now is out now just make fun of it. I might be intrigued by the Bizarro book. I might, you know, yeah. I like the concept that you're doing, that they're not going to be beholden to each other. I don't know if Prez is going to be the book for me. Unlike what I feel is happening in our in our fan culture right now, I don't think that everything has to be for me or fit my standards. Right, and I'm not going to protest if it isn't. Right. Because there's so much stuff to do. Right. I, You know, I, I got my corners. There are plenty yeah. of things I can catch up on, and... 
But if if there is a book that you think they should be doing more of, then for God's sake, support it. You know, I, yeah. I'm not going to support it for you. But, you know, that's the thing is we've talked about why you need other voices, why you need diversity in comics. But And I, I figure if in California, if in Santa Clara, and arguably we were just talking at dinner about how diverse this area is, if these kind if books that people say hooray diversity they die because no one buys them yeah you know on the other hand i would say the argument back like when they revive static shock and static shock is a great book that should have or is a great concept the original one right is great that revival it just wasn't good yeah you know um so i get that too but it's like i want to see those books survive but i don't want to be the one it's like reading uh uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's the can I say, Bitch Planet the image book. Yeah, I read the name, the, of, the name of, the book. of the book. I read the first issue. Went, oh, this is this is really well done. Mm-hmm. It's not for. It's just not for me. Right. Uh, you know, I get your point. Yeah. Totally great, and I'm I'm hoping that. I'm sure she has on it. Kelly Sue does not need me, you know. Uh, sure, and it, it, but I'm saying yeah. I love that that's out there. But then I mean, the people that want that book to exist had better be buying it. It's tough when it's a title that you really wanted and comes up in a different way. I mean, like I was just thinking, the, probably the biggest disappointment in the last decade for me was the Captain Action Run. Because I love the character. Mm-hmm. I love the toy one as a kid. And I liked. And I, I want the Adam West Captain Action costume that I believe they were trying to release. And I, I liked all the all the comics. They came out with like four issues of the comic. And they yeah. were fun. I had those. But when they came out with it more recently, they kind of updated the updated the character. And it was really. Because they didn't have the rights to any. Right. Any you of know, the Because it was in a different. And time. so. And so that was that was a disappointment. And then, you know, I still I still uh, when I see the character or the symbol or anything because i was on amazon and there was there were like three prose books and yeah. i looked at them and they're right in they're in, in line with the storyline they were telling in the latest comics yeah. so eventually and i'm not uh, interested and i know ed Cato, who does who's the guy who owns captain action right now and he's a really nice guy really good guy um and i like him and, he, and he's one again one of those guys it's like he's doing it for all the right reasons the right passion mm-hmm. It's just, it's just not hold. It just didn't hold my attention when I tried. Yeah. Uh, Action Cat, when they had the uh, cat, the uh, uh, Art Balthazar did did one. The guy that did Tiny Titans did a uh, did a Captain Action in the form of a cat. I thought, okay, that was cute. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I also want to. I'll put this out here right now. Um, there are a couple people I want to talk to about this possibility, but I'll throw this out to the to the podcast listeners. Is here, uh, Rick and I to middle-aged white men are talking about the need for diversity uh should we bring in a different voice here because are we you know i i admit we may have a viewpoint we occasionally that's very do limited. i mean we, but we i have... but i and i'm saying i want to put this out to the listeners uh you know we uh even when we have nate on a regular basis that means that our youngest person is still not that young and a and is parent and mm-hmm. is white um, so if we want, uh, you and know, we often have Chris Garcia on, we occasionally have well, I don't know crusading district occasionally, but I mean on, on a regular basis to have a perspective on a regular basis, because yeah. this is kind of, especially right now, I do feel this is an issue that comes up in the news 
in, in at least comics news, in, in geek news, if you will, yeah. every week. It is of concern. And maybe to have a, di- a, a new voice. There's a couple of people that have written in to me asking, or, or at least on, on Facebook, to say, you know, could they review this? Could they do this? And I, I'm all for it. And I'm thinking, well, do we need a, a more uh, – do we need that other voice more consistently on this show than having Chris Garcia show up once in a blue moon, having Troy – show up in a uh, once in a blue moon yeah um no i i understand i i think and in particular is it time for us to recruit a female commentator who is willing to speak on a regular basis what what i think is important in lieu of in lieu of that individual who could tell us if it's effective that's that's the real is it important to them well, I just and is it effective for them? What, is, the what, what does the difference do I, I, for them? Because we can, we're both entirely behind the the concept, right? But I also think you know, I, is, I it, is it a weird lecturing thing, uh, or is it you guys don't get it? And I'm like, you know, I'm completely open to the idea that maybe I don't. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a point of view about a perspective on it. I just don't know. I do my best. That's yeah. all I can say, and that's all I can try. Um, but so I'm just throwing it out there right into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And if you're listening, I'm going to say right now, uh, Lorenza, uh, yeah, if you want to join, uh, I'm going to put the invitation out on the podcast. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it's, it's a good idea. So, um, and we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, I, so I want to talk about, oh, DC's also got this other problem. I mean, I don't want to go for this. <laughs> I was, DC I, versus I was Rihanna. I was smirking at this. Speaking of giving, diversity. Giving diversity. Um, uh, DC Comics is in a trademark war. This has been a good week for trademarks because you know what else? Um, Marvel Comics finally trademarked Atlas. Wow. Or okay. no, Timely. They they trademarked Timely. timely. Uh, so, um, which has become the cool business adverb I've discovered. Uh, but uh, but so DC in a timely manner. DC, of? yeah, uh, no. no, it's weird. I'll, I'm going to take that one offline. Uh, but anyway, uh, DC got into is in a little bit of a kerfuffle. I strangely one of my favorite words to say a kerfuffle with pop star Rihanna of all things right. because. She uh, wanted to trademark her real name, because surprisingly, Rihanna is not, uh, Robin, R-O-B-Y-N. That is her actual first, real first name. Right. She wanted to trademark it because she was thinking of, of trying to start like an online content supplier of articles to, you know, uh, creating content for fa- followers of hers to right. uh, the things that she thinks they should be concerned with. Almost like an Oprah magazine, uh-huh. you know, but online, very very with it forward thinking uh and dc uh or warner because i hate to say it's it's really not dc when you say that it's warner warner's legal department warner's legal department says there might be confusion between robin with a y um the uh who is the real identity of because secret identities are involved here with uh, uh, the real identity of rihanna uh we might confuse her with the crime-fighting teen. The secret identity, identity of... Of Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, uh, Jason Damian. Todd, Damian Wayne, uh, Carrie... What's Carrie's last name? Uh, Carrie Kelly uh, yeah. and uh, and Stephanie Brown. Right. Uh, no confusion there. No. <laughs> so... You That's, know, I get why Warner's doing it. I just... I, I think... I, I, you it's know. just like my Captain Action issue. I miss the days when you could just... Yeah. They, they weren't owned by conglomerates. Right, it right, was, right. You, know, you didn't have to get 15 lawyers in a room to, to the s- people decide whether or not they could talk about it. Do you have the right to your own name But you know, what's, 
I, I think I feel for the lawyers because it's a it's a tough job protecting your 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 properties and stuff. And in fact, I want to point out that they really should go after the Audubon Society because they use Robin all over the place, and there's got to be confusion there. I completely agree with that. Yeah, um, I yeah, I I can remember being and three, they even spell it the same way. No, I remember being three years old, and one of my childhood playmates had a friend at her other daycare who said who was named Robin, and uh-huh. I was convinced that was a cry that it was Batman it and Robin. Can't be. So that's how Robin. I know I was that aware. Yeah, I you know because I was at a babysitter's and that came up, and I was like, uh, I didn't go to the babysitter after I was five, so. I was like three, and I was like, "Oh, I knew who Batman and Robin were then." I, yeah, you know. um, so, mostly from the from the rhyme. Oh, and you just something about Robin Redbreast. Forget that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Robin Hood. I think all of England for their mythology should be um, you Upset. know be sued. Yeah, uh, no, they should be sued by Warner. Oh yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Uh, but here, <laughs> because you know, licensing matters. That's why they're concerned, and. And um, it's been pointed out, you know, <clears throat> as we've talked about many times on the podcast, uh, as it is very aware, uh, very obvious that um, Fantastic Four was canceled. They will not be returning as the Fantastic Four until everyone forgets about the Fox movie in comics. The characters are still there. They'll be a Human Torch will be in the Inhumans. I can't remember where they're still in the Secret Wars. They're still in the Secret Wars, but they're not the Fantastic Four. It's not. It's not right. being sold on their. Right. They're, they name. don't have. A, they don't have a title. And I love that in X Men uh, this week, Brian Michael Bendis won. I because uh, I don't know some of the characters because you know I, it's spun off. But in one of the X Men titles, he's writing uh, one X Men. One of the younger ones just turns to another, and, and not one of the big ones, but says, um, "Why do you have to be X Men? Couldn't we just be something else?" And so, like, I, it's like well, we tried New Mutants. It's like no, because that's being made, you know. But mm-hmm. but 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 I mean. That that they're realizing that their name doesn't have to have mutant or X in it, and so it's like Brian Michael Bendis actually asking the question of the lawyers: If I create them in the pages of X Men, does Fox automatically get the rights to them if they don't call themselves X Men? And I thought, okay, that's interesting. But here's the very okay: We've got Secret Wars coming, right? We're in the midst of a new Secret Wars beginning. So let's flash back to that first twelve issue miniseries, which um, <clears throat> or maxi series, if you insist, because it's twelve issues. Um, and uh, you may walk into a Walmart or a Target and you see a lot of character tees that are now reprinting the iconic covers from Secret Wars, from that first 12-issue miniseries. Right, right, right. Uh, in particular, I've seen where Spider-Man had the black, when Spider-Man had the black costume. Right. The first time that appeared on a shocking. cover. Now, what's more shocking is... If it's if there's an X Man in that picture on the original cover, or a member of the Fantastic Four in that original oh, they're picture, excised. they're gone. Wow, been replaced by someone new who didn't exist in that original miniseries. It feels like Back to the Future when something yes, happened. It is true. It is true. <laughs> You're no oddly longer enough, in the photograph. Oddly enough, Michael J. Fox is in the image. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's happening. And, Johnny and, Storm is replaced by Michael J. Fox playing the guitar. Yes. Uh, and in fact, one of the images, and whatever it was where Spider-Man was, uh, when Spider-Man has the black costume, in the background, in the original cover, there was the human torch flying down to attack somebody. Oh. And so his flames are still there. Oh, my God. But he's taken out of the image. Oh, my God. And so Tom DeFalco released a, you know, tweeted out, is like, well, if, if, you know, if a certain website, because he always blames Bleeding Cool, 
and yes, there's who called attention to it. I know I quote from them a lot, but I like Rich a lot, and I think he, you know, he does call it does occasionally some really great work, and sometimes he takes me off with the spoilers, but you know, whatever, take the good with the bad. But he says, if it wasn't for Bleeding Cool, would anybody have noticed this? And I, I'm just kind of going like, well, yeah, we're fans, and if I'd bought that T-shirt and noticed. As a I'd fan, be upset. If, I, if I, you know, well, I had those original covers, yeah. I, you know, and you're asking me, you know, you're offering a $500 box set, including those books and those characters appear there. Why aren't they on any of these images? Yeah. You know, and to, I double checked something else and I want to go back to t-shirts a little bit because people, you know, have been upset about the lack of Black Widow merchandise and the, uh, and I've been mad about the lack of G- Gamora uh, toys after um, you know Guardians of the Galaxy, but Black Widow is the one that really seems to have struck a chord, and rightfully right. so. Oh yeah, do not get me wrong at all. There, uh, yeah, there's putting should... cap on the motorcycle. And but the... here's the thing that I I just discovered after Marvel Universe Live, in which watching it, Black Widow got the biggest pop. They had Captain Marvel, so Carol Danvers was there. Um, no, she Hulk, but um, those two. I'm thinking there was an. That's uh, horrible of me to, to have forgotten. Uh, I think Pepper, a uh, Pepper's in it, but uh, but anyway, you would definitely have Captain Marvel and you have Black Widow. There were banners, whatever they call those little advertising flags within, right. within the within the arena around. So as you're entering, you see, oh, there's Black Widow. But I bought a T-shirt, and I'm going to have to ask Luke because they didn't have. I wanted to get matching T-shirts, and my son didn't get to go. But I thought, well, if we at least have matching T-shirts, it'd feel cool, father son thing. So I had to buy one T-shirt, and I bought him a different one. And I just dug up my Marvel Universe Live t-shirt that had, like, Iron Fist in it. Or his, I know, had Iron Fist on it. And Iron Fist isn't in the show. Yeah. There are no female superheroes on the t-shirt. Mm. And so I don't know if they sold a separate Black Widow t-shirt. I don't remember that they did. And so it's interesting to me to start noticing nobody was talking about that until Avengers Age of Ultron came out. Right. And uh, so I'm a little... Now, in hindsight, bothered that I realize I don't think you could get any Black Widow merchandise. I don't think you could get any uh, Captain Marvel merchandise at Marvel Universe Live. And again, don't get me wrong, I don't think they were given short shrift in the show. Oh, Black Cat was there. Black Cat's in it. Um, uh, I don't think they were given short shrift in the show. I think they I think they had great moments. I just think a lot of audience didn't really know mainstream audience. Oh, they, they didn't mean, know who Captain Marvel was yet. I I watched a lot of it on YouTube and I think they had I mean the Black Widow character had a lot of gymnastics oh and flips God, and stuff. Oh my god, she was she fighting. was really given the spotlight and, yeah. and again rightfully so. This is where I just feel like, you know, Marvel and Disney and hopefully they're getting the message is they are missing the boat because Kids and both genders love Black Widow. Yeah, you know, I, and it's just weird to me to, to realize that. So it's just a, it's just a footnote. Well, going back to I mean, one other thing about the uh, the revision of uh, of the characters that are not owned specifically by Marvel for the media for the movies and right. Um, and I think you had an article on this as well on Fanboy Planet was the recent issue of Uncanny Avengers, which rewrote again. The origin of we've mentioned it of Quicksilver we've, and, 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 the Scarlet and the Scarlet Witch as being the creations of the High Evolutionary and not not uh, the daughter and son of Magneto, which means essentially they went back to what their original origin was. Well, that they're not no, but their their original origin they were still mutants, and right. in this they're no longer mutants. But they got revised at one point where the High Evolutionary claimed that he had messed with them. 
yeah. like in the seventies or, or was early Magda 80s was with Magda. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you know, and I totally get why they do it. I, you know, again, I understand it because this is why we'll never see, um, the Ultraverse characters that were very popular. Marvel bought those up and that was before Ike Perlmutter sold to Disney even was, I do get if you look at comics and all this licensing as a business, strictly a business. Mm -hmm. I don't like it, but I understand it. That their argument is they have a very good financial deal with Sony. They Mm -hmm. sued to get it back. So that they are sharing with for Spider-Man, you know, that they're doing okay. They get a lot more money for Spider-Man. And the other thing is that people aren't taking into account is... Spider-Man is the number one most recognizably licensed character superhero in the world. Uh-huh. So even a smaller portion of Spider-Man licensing money is still bigger than their Avengers licensing, their Iron Man, you know, individual members of the, of the Iron Man. So, and Fantastic Four, no real licensing. You know, it's, it's not a loss. Right. It, you know, so their X-Men... Aside from Wolverine, you know, that's pretty much it. And and Wolverine's still not up there in, like, the top And Wolverine's five. been dead for... And he'll be dead again. A long time. And he'll be, you know, well, still. Has it been a year yet since Wolverine died? I don't know. There have been so many issues of that Wolverine's thing. And before that, the, the Weapon X, and those have been coming out weekly. I was just so, thinking... Going, so it's hard to keep track of how long it's been. Yeah. But... You know, I, I'm just saying I, I get that, you know, I, I, I do I do understand to some point. But, you know, and, and it has been said to, about the Elderverse is you'll never see them again because they have to split their money with the original owners, whoever they bought it out from. Yeah. Uh, Platinum, actually, I think is, that, you know, and, and it's like they could make a lot of effort making those characters fan favorites, but then they have to give half their money away, you know, to somebody else that they don't particularly like, maybe not yeah. even like being in business with. So... I understand it. I don't like it. But speaking of a business issue, uh, last week the world, the comics world, was rocked and upset by Archie Comics launching a Kickstarter campaign. You know, we know that in June they're going to revamp the flagship Archie title, and they've got Adam Hughes writing and drawing a Betty and Veronica book. And I know. Let's what just think to your for eyes a second. Just there? No, I don't want to do that. You don't. I. I don't not 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 now. Little a. H. I can't remember who they were the putting corner. on a Jughead book. Maybe it was Chip Zdarsky. I think they were thinking about putting on a, a Jughead solo title. I'm basically revamping. I mean, they have so many titles. But I also realized on Free Comic Book Day, I've always taken for granted that Archie is like this one everybody counts on. Right. But at Free Comic Book Day, I saw parents having to explain to their kids who Archie is, and realized, oh my gosh, Archie is kind of going has been kind of going the way of it's not connecting. With that younger, so the revamp sort of makes a little more sense to me. But I mean, they started Kickstarter, and they wanted a ridiculous amount of money, and retailers got upset because uh, one, it was sort of like they're circumventing Diamond, and their Bob Goldwater, uh, the CEO, said basically, well, one of the reasons they wanted to rather than wait to expand was they had this opportunity to get into Target and Walmart mm-hmm. at right the same time as they were constricting their line so they thought well if we can get a kickstarter going and get enough money we can afford to pay the pay these creators because adam hughes can't be cheap i mean to be fair there that's a top yeah. creator and it takes some time and uh so they were looking for resources to jump forward and 
anyway, there was such a hue and cry that Kickstarter is not supposed to be for a big company like that. And I don't know, truthfully, how big Archie really is as an infrastructure. I don't think it's very big. You know, but but this comes again to perception versus reality. And our perception is that it's monolithic. And it's just not. It's a company still owned by the same family that was, you know, MLJ back way back in the day. Um, and they may not have all the money on hand. But the retailers got upset. This, this, the comic book store owners got upset because, well, they say they want to expand into Target and Walmart. But I say, again, the thing is like in around here, if it gets into Target and Walmart, that means somebody who's never walked into a comic book store in their life has a chance at seeing the books and knowing they're still there. Um, Marvel puts books in. Yeah, I know. I see. I've seen the image. I'm not saying you don't have to show that to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, that that by the way, Rick just uh, I just found purely looked up Actually, an Adam more Hughes like Frank Cho than Adam well, Hughes. Well, I think Frank Cho has borrowed a lot from from yeah. Adam Hughes. Um, or their styles are very similar when they're when that's their subject matter. Yeah. Uh, but you know, no one's been upset that Marvel's been pushing into into WalMarts and Targets for years. No, and but Archie does it, makes me think. But they want the fans to pay for it, I guess. Anyway, they canceled their Kickstarter and said, "We'll just wait until we can afford to do it now." And I don't know necessarily how I feel about it because I've always felt that way about Kickstarter as well. I think uh, Children's Hospital just mocked it really brilliantly, where they said. Uh, they they went on a, t- a mock talk show. If you're not watching Children's Hospital, where it's like this weird three or four different layers of reality going on in that series. Yeah. Uh, but they went on this talk show and they said we're going to make a, a Children's Hospital movie, but but or we might not because we don't have a funding. So we're announcing our Kickstarter campaign right here. And their plea to the audience was, um, we want you to give up some of the money that you're you were planning on using for your dream to allow us to not have to take any risk to fulfill ours. And I went, no. And a lot of Kickstarter campaigns are not that way at all. Please do not write ang- angrily to me right. going, you know. Um, because ironically, I'm going to say, like, yes, we were just pushing the Tommy Gun dolls last week and we'll still will on the site, you know, Daniel Cooney. But I know Daniel is not, you know, he couldn't afford to do uh, you know, a small independent publisher if the project is good, I don't have a problem with them gathering the money that way, especially if they can deliver on what they say they're going to do. But when a company the size of of Archie does, when even you know some people were upset when Rob Thomas did that with Veronica Mars, uh, there Zach are a lot Braff. of there are a lot of companies. I mean, Queen Games, for example, does a lot of mark of sales of new games and reprints of older games through Kickstarter. So it's just it's just becoming another marketplace that's not necessarily. Yeah about funding some little guy. It's kind of like... And I haven't really looked further than, honestly, looking at the comic side. I think I've backed a few things on Kickstarter from comics because they're talents that I know. In, in some cases, actually, it's it's almost like the um, the print-to-order business. And and see, when I see it that way, I, I totally agree. Like yeah. I say, in this case, I pledged on Kickstarter for a couple of things last week. One didn't fund... Right. One did. Molly Danger by Jamal Yassim Eigel. Uh, Jamal Eigel. Um, good uh, superhero book for girls. Uh, well, for everybody, but it's Molly Danger. Focus on. Is, uh, focused on. He wanted to do a volume two. He may have set his goal a little high, 
And he admitted that it failed to fund. Flip side, Tommy Gun Dolls did. It's still open, and now he's able to actually make the volume that he's going to release uh, better quality. Like, you know, be a hardcover, I think, right. is one of the things. I, I'm not, I don't want to talk stretch about stretch goals. The stretch goals. And suddenly I'm like, great. But I knew what I was doing was saying, well, how much would I be willing to spend on that book mm-hmm. and support a guy whose work I really respect and admire right. without breaking myself? You know, and that's what I did. Uh, I did, you know, I paid for Veronica Mars too. Still haven't watched it, but on my computer, I have that. I have that download, and I have a PDF of the script. You know, and I. So I, I don't know. And in comics, there are a lot of things which I do recommend people go into Kickstarter and check it out. There are independent titles that are like uh, another one. I'm kind of, I'm trying to decide on this Broken Frontier anthology, or and recently I I, I backed a, a Pama. Um, the hero discovered. We mm-hmm. uh, I've still yeah, got the hardcover on that, and I've still got to finish it. And they just wrote Ted Sakura just wrote to me asking, like, "Hey, what'd you think?" And I'm like, "I I get st- it got trapped under another stack of books, and I just <laughs> I found it. I got waylaid by Harbinger. I'm not going to lie, you know. But and there are certain creators that I would follow because it's like no matter how much I love them, I don't take for granted that everybody loves them. And I guess my ultimate takeaway here is I took for granted that people still loved Archie, and then I realized on Free Comic Book Day that's just not true at this point. There's nostalgia for him. Yeah, I think it's it's a generational thing because not only did the Archie comic have a presence probably when you were growing up, it was also the Archie got me from Stuckies to Stuckies. The Archie um, TV show, the the cartoon show. Oh yeah, and and all and the music tie-in. So I mean, they had <laughs> they had songs in every one of those episodes. Yes, just like Josie and the Pussycats. I loved them. Uh, I was very young. But I did love them. Well, they had uh, one hit. Did Justin the Pussycats have a hit? No, 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 no. no Archie did. Sugar, Sugar. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which uh, in the Back to Riverdale, Riverdale live action movie in the uh, late eighties, uh, they tried to do a rap version of that. That did nice. not go well. Um, I think you can actually find. Well, you probably find that on bootlegs throughout conventions. But anyway, so that's the interesting thing. Kind of a breakdown of, of Kickstarter uh, and there. So let's play a, a quick round of what's in the bag. What's in the bag? I don't want to sing. In I just want to say no. I said I don't want to. What's in your bag, Derek. No, no, you go first. I'm going to go first. You want the last I, word? Oh, okay. I always get the last word. Okay, I don't, so you always lie and break through and go. I, uh, three all books, I have seventeen. Of, all three of my books are uh, from one well-known comics publisher about a secret that is, uh, course, event that's going on. That is, of course, Les Humanoids. Yeah, um, Secret Wars, and I'm going to start with Battle World. I'm very intrigued by that one, which. Is there anthology, or at least one? Is that what it is? Is an anthology? It's an anthology. This has two different uh, stories in it. One is the Soldier Supreme, which is um, a version of Captain America combined with Doctor. No, actually, it's it's uh, it's actually the Punisher combined with Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, and you have the. you have a version of let's see what do they call themselves the that. Infernal Four, which is basically the bad version of the Fantastic Four when it was the Hulk. No, yeah. Do you remember when I had that um, Secret Wars like preview thing that they gave me at Elusive? I don't remember. A couple that. weeks ago, I brought that. I brought that over to the podcast. Right. And I, I flipped through and or you, know, you had it. It's the yeah, previous it, thing. The, the, the first part so of this, this is there. from that. Yes, yes, yes. yes the yes. first few pages of that are what's what's the beginning of the story. But it was kind of cool to see the uh, the the Fantastic Four when the Fantastic Four was Spider Man, Wolverine, Hulk, and see, let's be honest, Ghost Rider. I would love a miniseries just like naked '90s cash in to show that Fantastic Four again. 
but to have have uh, the Punisher being the brother voodoo to Doctor Strange, and it this is just this is crazy done right. But this is why it's confusing because we already see Strange. No, there's there's multiples there's of them. multiple Stranges, and that's yeah. what, you know, and, and that's, that's and, that's and a, that comes clear in this one story okay. that that just please, because you're in one world doesn't then, mean you can't don't be in spoil another one. more because yeah, uh, I'm I, not going to spoil I, any I bought further. That and that's uh, something to read. Tonight. Other than uh, the second half of it is is someone who's become one of my favorite Marvel characters in the last couple of years, and that Willie is Willie Lumpkin, Atomic Mailman, close Modok. Modoc in the Secret Avengers has been just an off the wall, runaway, Here's screaming, funny find character. Interesting is there's going to be a day when Marvel has no villains left because they've reformed them all. He's not necessarily reformed. Okay, he's just playing. He's playing safe. He's playing it safe, and it's not like it's kind of like. Um, remember when Captain Cold? said, you thought I was a good guy just because you asked me to be a good guy, and yeah, I told you yeah. the first thing you do is for anything is you look out for yourself, and that's yeah. what MODOK is kind of doing. But I think that there's one thing. What's happening in the, in the Secret Wars is you have a melding of a lot of characters, and sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's not. And you have, like, the infinite number of MODOKs showing up all the different variants, I including like the spider Modoc. The spider Modoc is particularly uh, amusing with his eight arms. Um, but I, I would contend that Modoc is a combination of Modoc and what interdimensional TV producer director would you say might be floating around in oh, a mojo? Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, I think he's Modoc Mojo. Although with that lipstick, I think it's Madam. Was it Madam? Well, there is a Madam. There was a female version. Yeah, there of is Modoc. a Madam Modoc who is showing up elsewhere as well. So, um, I don't usually like the anthology books. I usually find that they're about fifty percent okay, and the other half, half kind of sucks. This one hit on on both stories very well. I've liked all the anthology books because I want uh, that Marvel's done in the last few years because I feel like well that way I'm getting incidental stories that wouldn't normally be able to be told in a well, yeah, I mean, series run. You don't want it stretched out into three issues. Right. They're, you know, yeah. I mean, they're self-contained in, in three or four issues. I'm not that, saying I didn't buy them, and I, 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 but for me, a couple of them have been kind of stinkers on one half, or the, the creative team is somebody... Well, and part of it is like what happened, remember, years and years and years ago with the Marvel fanfare. You get these yeah. rotating... Fe- and it started with such a great. It was X Men and Kazar with Paul Smith art, yeah. and those first four issues were yeah, that yeah, story, yeah. and that was fantastic. And then you kept buying, and then it became like uh, the umpteenth ghostwriter story that existed just because they hired somebody to do a story with a slightly different ghostwriter than you're used to. Isn't that shocking? Yeah, you know, and, and I, I didn't like that. But in short bursts, where they've got a particular theme or something yeah. that, that gathers it, I'm, I'm, I'm. This for might it. be the one with all the the identity blending and stuff. Might be an interesting way to go about it. I bought it because I thought the concept was just going to be so bat guano crazy in general. You're not going to be disappointed. World. I'm going to find something that I like. You're not going to be disappointed. My my first title here is from IDW. Uh, it's uh, Douglas Adams's. Dirk Gently Holistic Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. One, uh, we got a Rob Guillory cover mm-hmm. uh, from Chu, uh, and it's actually inside. It's Tony Akins, who's an artist I've liked since the uh, I believe eighties, uh, and reasonably similar to Rob. Uh, 
I think it's a little more consistent. It's very British. No, I, I mean it's more British and more. No, I don't think it's actually. If you if you change your glasses, and I'm looking at those the bottom half and part of that panel. Uh, that's because that's a walking corpse. That's a mummy, um, and it, and it's not an adaptation of one of the books. It's actually a continuation. Oh, okay. And because there I've, were two books. That there are two books. There's the Douglas long. Uh, there's Dirk Gently's and the Long Dark Tea Time of the Soul, Soul. is the second one. Uh, this is a continue. This is just a brand new Dirk Gently adventure. And when I realized that when I opened it, I was like, uh, for a page going, well, I, I think I was giving it a shot because I was expecting an adaptation of a book I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a continuation, I think by Chris Ryall, uh, who is uh, editor in chief at uh, at IDW, it's uh, it's actually really good. I just say actually sounds like I really had this fear. It's just like to tell a story and to make me feel like, yeah, I could have seen Douglas Adams continuing in, with this plot line. Yeah. Um, Is it, uh, does it make any note about from the notes of Douglas Adams or no, there's spiritual no guidance. By and, I, and I think there might be a little editorial. There's a, there's a thing at the end. There's a, an end piece. Um, I love the cover for issue too, but there's an end piece by uh, this guy, Michael Benedetto, um, where it just sort of oddly ends. Like I thought I was missing a page and I turned the page <laughs> and it was a totally different image. Love the cover, love the image, but um, you know, I felt like oh, that essay ended a little curtly. That's your note on the written on the side when you hand it back with a B plus. Yeah, yeah, like uh, did you cut a paragraph? Did yes. something get lost on the way? Right. Um, Let's but, talk about closure. But as a book, I I thought really um, you know really good. So I, I actually I think I have one of the alternate covers. I'm not sure who the what the main cover is, but anyway, uh, I was happy. Oh, there it is. I see. Art by Tony. Okay. So I got the Rob Gilbert. Nice. I got the alternative color. There you cover. go. Uh, so I think anyway. that that cover also is going to sell well because he kind of looks like David Tennant sitting there cross legged on him. Yes. Yeah. Who I think would play a very good Dirt Gently if they yeah. tried to do a yeah. movie. Uh, there was a BBC TV series, three episodes that uh, did not do so hot, which I think I think captured it well enough. It was just a little too almost quirky in a way that like it was self consciously quirky. Hmm. Uh, if that makes sense, I think the pacing of this is different than an Adams novel in that it's for comics, and you have to reveal a little more. And, and Chris Ryall knows that, you know. So I think uh, does it have the narrative voice that uh, Adams would put into it? That... Um, no. Okay. No, there's but instead there's a lot of because um, uh, it's kind of funny because Chu really does. There's <laughs> a lot of footnotes, but that's not which I find thing. hilarious. Um, you know, there are little footnotes that is very clearly there is an omniscient narrator okay. who is making comments throughout. It's not too obtrusive, which I it, it could have been and, and, and might have been even more in the spirit of Douglas Adams to have that commentary. Right. It, it doesn't do that, but that's okay. I think the concept is funny, and and it introduces, if you don't know the character, if you haven't read the books, I think it's a great introduction to it. And I, I could cool. see this going on. I don't know what they're playing, if it's a miniseries or not, but I could see it, go, I could see it lasting if they can keep this up. Good. So, My second book, mm-hmm. also from the Secret Wars... Uh, series yes is planet hulk which um now there's there's kind of a juxtaposition are we just talking about the complementary nature of the covers this cover has a very abstracted multiple green fists coming down as one fist with a soldier with a strangely remarkably uh, recognizable shield held up above him as don't be coming. coy marvel's being coy don't you do it yeah um it's Steve Rogers. They don't actually call him. I guess maybe they do call him the captain. But then you get into the first page, and it's like it's it's almost like the cartoon maps that you would have found in 
any number of Lord of the Rings uh, knockoffs where they're just kind of sparse named. And I just love the fact that right off the bat, the real name for this is Greenland. Which was covered in Secret Wars number two. Yeah. Uh, the And Greenland is this the top part of the globe um, yeah. up there, which is apparently just above uh, Doomsburg or whatever. Uh, Doomhold or... <laughs> Doomsburg. Doomsburg. <laughs> um, Doomsylvania. And this is almost... This is not necessarily an anthology, but it is two separate stories. You have the first one, and this was the first book where I really started seeing the crossovers between the books because you have the Thor Corps, which is going to be the focus of the book Thor's and was already part of uh, the, Green the Secret War. They're, of, uh, they're basically the, the, the cops for the world. Or really it's Nova Corps. If you go Marvel terms, it's yeah, Nova the Corps. Nova Corps for the, uh, yeah. But they report directly to Doom. Doom and they carry out his will, except where he goes around them occasionally. Um, this one, the Thors were, I mean, I thought the Thors were a lot more uniform in the other representation. This one, they have a lot more personality in their different yeah, costumes. Yeah, because they appear as well in um, My in, Next Choice. Yeah. And it's the same same thing where there's a lot more diversity in their very brief appearance in this other book than it was in The Secret Wars, number two. They have this huge two-page spread for Planet Hulk just to impress you with how big they can make the text. Um, but what I loved about this is you've got... Steve Rogers and his faithful steed, Devil Dinosaur. Um, just a note to Marvel: if nothing else, if you want to make a book just for Rick Brett Schneider, Devil, Devil Dinosaur. Dinosaur pretty much yeah. does it. Yeah, I, I like Moon Boy, but Devil Dinosaur with cap astride his his neck, you, you can't get too much better than that. Uh, if you want an action figure, if you want to make like a thousand dollar action figure, <laughs> Marvel, you have one sale. Yeah, maybe. Um, Captain America riding Devil Dinosaur, which coincidentally is tattooed on Rick's left butt. Which, uh, which, anyway. So um, this is looking, this is looking pretty good. Uh, the The second half of this is an issue of Amazing Science magazine with a Marvel mock-up of something that looks like it was issue fifteen of. Uh, so it explains uh, that explains how the uh, Greenland got started, and this has Amadeus Cho in what I think they're missing out in not making its own book because he's kind of like a um, um, manga kind of flying Power Rangers oh, squad. I think they have plans I, for Amadeus. Cho. I, I I hope so. Well, not this Amadeus Cho, and I'm not going to spoil why not, but. Um, I, well, all right. It's possible. G, but, Rick. Um, by saying that, um, the spoiler is almost self-evident. Yes, he turns into, no. Uh, you know, so, because anyway. it's interesting because, you know, his mother is a character in Age of Ultron. Yes, the so, scientist so uh, very who clearly they, goes, will, trying to make a push forward. does he say, who she say, is, will Thor be there? Or? Yeah. 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 Um, but I was, I was, this was one of the ones I wasn't so sure about until I started reading and I said, yeah, I'm down for this one. This one's really good. My only Planet disappointment, Hulk. and it's not, and it's not a legitimate disappointment is that, you know, when I heard that title was announced, I went back to being that that original Greg Pak uh, yeah. series, Planet Hulk is still to me so far above it's anything else. It's really, really good. Hulk that, you know, it's. That was the first hardcover Marvel book I bought outside of the the Masterworks. Yeah. Because I wanted that collection in as fine a version as I could possibly get because I thought that book was so And I think that's one of the one of the, the And that's not the what word, this Planet Hulk is one, and I don't want to pretend. One of the things they're doing is a little bit of wordplay in yeah. a lot of these titles and yeah. using the uh, 
And then you get something like Marvel like. Zombies versus Age of Ultron, which is exactly what it sounds like, Zombies versus Ultrons. It's really Zombies versus Robots. Does Ashley Wood know about this? I don't know. Uh, let's talk about my next book, which is A-Force, number one. Uh, in the Secret Wars, which which I didn't read because I didn't realize that it was. I thought that this was right because I I got to go back and we uh, on the website on Fanboy Planet yeah. I did push a little and say you know I did a thing for this because I knew that people would because and I think they had mentioned Secret Wars in passing but I think nobody knew what it was and I thought oh no it's I'm just pretty sure the cover was there and I don't remember the Secret Wars logo on it. Uh, I don't think it I, yeah because the often we get covers that aren't really finished when they send them out for publicity. Um, I don't think people understood, again, and we talked about it just a little earlier, my problem with Secret Wars is not that I don't understand it. I'm going to enjoy reading Planet Hulk, for example. But what if somebody watched that on Netflix right, and went, oh, Planet Hulk, and there's something completely different. A-Force is the same thing. All the women in um, Albion, uh, Arcadia, Arcadia, the nation, the island of Arcadia. Well, that's where they get the A from. Yes. Oh. And the... Even though it's like the Avengers logo A. The Lord of Arcadia, the the ruler of Arcadia is She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. And though there are males on the island, it's not... For a minute, like, for a couple pages, I was like, is this their version of Themis- <laughs> Themyscira? Uh, it, it, there are males on there, uh, on, the, on the island, but it's the women that all have superpowers, and they're, most of them are recognizably versions of something... Uh, you've seen uh, of characters you know from the regular mainstream. Oh yeah, Marvel you got universe. Runaways in there. You got um, there is a new character uh, who let me see. If I want to get her. Uh, and Loki's there as a woman. The female Loki oh, is okay. there. Um, Arcadia doesn't involve arcade, does it? I hope not, because he's um, in. He's actually in Planet Hulk. Oh, I'm sure. As you say, there are different versions of. Yeah, there's a new version of Ms. America. Whose secret identity is, or whose other identity is America Chavez? Okay. And I really think that there's an interesting character potential there. Uh huh. But uh, we don't know much yet at this point. And I've heard rumors already that they're planning a spin off series post Secret Wars to uh, see if they can push her forward. But here the Thor car shows up, uh, Sam Wilson as of the Thors. And it's really mm-hmm. Falcon Thor. And of course. It, so it, it's just kind of, it, it's it's interesting. Uh, but I did like this, I did like the book, again, not 100% positive that if you, uh, and I'm going to ask my friend uh, Dal Picado, who asked me uh, like a couple weeks ago, do you know when A-Force is coming out? So on Tuesday I saw, oh, on the Elusive Comics newsletter, well, A-Force is tomorrow. So I messaged her said, and she called and she held, had, I said, go ahead and have them hold it in my box. But she doesn't read comics regularly. She just liked the concept. And so I'm going to see her. Uh, we're doing As You Like It for Shakespeareans in a couple of weeks. And I'm um, going to ask her. She's picked it up and, and say, you know, was it accessible or was it weird being set in Arcadia when it was really kind of in the original solicitation, kind of it like just this is all like the female new, Avengers. A new team. Yeah. So... Um, I think it's a good book. I again, not a hundred percent sure as accessible if you're not a regular right, right. Marvel reader, especially given that it, it was pressed in in general media as a book. Yeah, they, again, they might have mentioned Secret Wars, but the average person um, reading USA Today and wherever else got to break it, uh, you know, they're not people that get. Oh, there's this little secret. You know, it it it's a name that doesn't mean anything. So. 
your next one. My next one, my last one, is Battleworld Master of Kung Fu, which Master Kung Fu, as you know, we na- I named my first son after uh, Shang-Chi. And um, the this, and this is everything I loved about when Marvel's explosion of Kung Fu books happened, which gave us the Master Kung Fu. It gave us uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Iron Fist, um, Far more successful at Marvel than it was at DC. I gotta they say. are they are all blended together. They're, first, they're blended together in myth and in like uh, pressed. Um, uh, what do they call it? Woodcut. And then you have Shang Chi as the drunken fighter, which is just so well done. It's just and he's fighting. He's fighting someone who's called. Um, Razorfish. Now, ra- Razorfish. 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 Interesting. Razorfish. Fist. I'm sorry. There used to be a company called Razorfish. Razorfish. How who much was, wine did you have? You that saw exactly much. how much I wine know. I had. That really wasn't that much. No, it I'm wasn't. worried about you. So, Razorfist had no hands. Instead, he had blades. And in this, it's his hand could break a blade. Um there is the melding of all these into a, all these characters from that era. Yes, Howard, there is the master of Quack Fu. I, I think he's going to be in Duckburg only. I, I haven't seen him yet. Not Duckburg. No, no, no. Uh, New Quack City. New Quack City, right, right, right. Um, Shang Op. But if I was to say that they're the fighting. and advancing of the duck. If I was to say they're fighting his father who is involved with the Ten Rings. What character, what Marvel character would you think that might be? Well, we know that originally, until they lost the rights, it was Fu Manchu. Right. Uh, but it was the Master of the Ten Rings is the Mandarin. Right, right. And it's perfect for this this book to, uh, they haven't exposed really, that. that was, uh, you're like the Damon Lindelof of, of podcasts right now. I've got a mystery box and uh, it's not. I don't it. want to make it too hard. You want the people at home who can guess it ahead of you, right? No. And then they feel good about it. No, why don't you it. just say it? You know, it's just, you know, uh, Oh, okay. okay. Um, I don't say it because it hasn't actually been exposed. That's who he is. Well, that's who you think it is. Well, I'm pretty sure it is. They might twist it. It might be Tony Stark. What a twist. Yeah. Well, they, they show him there at the end. Now, that pretty much looks like the, the Mandarin. It could be Tony Stark. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, and, I, I won't put money And his there. his uh, enforcer, of course, is... Uh, uh, that looks like a version of Daniel Rand. Daniel Rand, yeah. yeah. Iron Fist. Uh, so this was this was a fun book that captured all of the craziness that was Marvel's kung fu and it really explosion. Hit you. I mean, you that was that was when I was in high school. Yeah, that I was, was a senior in high school, and we were driving, and we were going to all the all and the. You guys wanted to send away for that Count Dante ad, the deadly assassin, <laughs> you know, in the back of Marvel books. I'll tell you a story sometime. No. The. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, that that again was a. I was so glad that they they went ahead with this book. I think we did talk about the first issue, so I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, you, you brought up that last. So I want to talk just a, an interesting thing that I realized about. Uh, I'm a little behind on the Titan Doctor Who uh, books, uh, but I have this Eleventh uh, Doctor one, and I realized that for American audiences, one of the things about doing Doctor Who in comics is. Actually, you can get a lot more creative with the companions mm. than I think the show 
has actually done. And you may see on the cover here this very tall, white, Martian-looking, lobsterish alien. Right. That's one of the companions. He looks kind of liquid, kind of yes. floaty. Uh, he's an infra- He's like a liquid. Uh, he is sort of like a, a super ad- advanced, sentient uh, computer interface. Uh huh. Um, that the comics can create true diversity uh, in alien life forms as well as companions. Oh, yeah, the budget's infinite. Yes, and I realized, you know, we were Luke and I were listening to one of the uh, audio Big adventures. Finish. The Big Finish adventures uh, with uh, the, the shape-shifting penguin, the Whifferdill, that was from the Doctor Who comics in the uh, 80s. Yeah. And that it has a radio adventure uh, is, you know, is great. And he had come back up when IDW did the... Uh, the the twelve issue the prisoners of time he was the companion that was stolen uh, from the seventh doc from the sixth doctor and so he's been that companion and, you know so I just really want to call out if you're a Doctor Who fan again if you're an American Doctor Who fan and you've come to this late based on the you now we're in ten years of this revival yeah but if you came to Doctor Who fan and because of the revival take a look at these comics and you're gonna find something you like but also as you say this is what comics originally did best. The budget is infinite. Whatever they can draw is what happens. Yeah. I also especially love that one of the companions, the guy in the background, uh, I don't know if you're reading these books, but they have an analog for David Bowie, and and he's and basically everything that makes David Bowie cool, it, it's they don't call him David Bowie, but it's very clear. He's a redhead. But, but, but everything that makes him cool is because he's or traveled ginger. with the doctor. They call him a ginger. They go back in time to hear his first concert, and he's terrible, and he's bland, and he's boring, and so they take him along. And that basically Ziggy Stardust is a, crea- is a, creation, a creation of, of his exploration of his to his Doctor Who. The doctor. So, um, the other thing about those is if you're coming to this late, you have an opportunity to go pick those up and trade, too. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and they're a whole series. And Titan is going to be releasing a big crossover this summer with uh, 10, 11, 12, and the War Doctor. Oh, okay. So four doctors will be involved. And on Free Comic Book Day, they did these little solo stories. They did one, with, uh, did one of 10, 11, 12. Um, they're doing. They just launched a ninth Doctor miniseries. They're not as intrigued in following Eccleston, and I think you know. That's actually, a shame. By the way, I mean, did you catch that Eccleston finally admitted why he left? I and it is an ironic reason. I read something about it. I mean, was because he um, he wanted to do it in his northern accent, and they were fighting him because he. Oh, that's right. And he was and he was he tired was of the Doctor that, reflecting a posh accent only, right. and then you have twelve come in with the Scottish accent and. Yeah, 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 and so I did like that. That interview that once he's revealed that reason, you can go one. I get what he's saying. There was you know there was something he was trying to do to talk about diversity of like diversity of accent because there's right. a, a regionalized prejudice in England. Yeah, uh, it doesn't uh, have to be with what color you are; it's where you're from. From and that's and that yeah. can, those are the intellectuals and from the north you couldn't be. Um, so I'm hoping that you know. Again, it may be a while. Maybe it's after Stephen Moffat leaves that um, we might get Eccleston to come back. You know, that I, I was amazed recently to read that people who come down from the north to work in London actually will, will on on not insignificant occasion, go to voice training to lose their accents so surprised. people won't think they're dumb. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, I get it. It's, it, it, is, it is somewhat shameful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's such a small but, island, really. That 
But you know, it's like when you go back to My Fair Lady or Pygmalion. Let's go to the original play by George Bernard Shaw. Yeah, that uh, <clears throat> I, I studied it in college, and the and the professor teaching it said said I can't speak for it there, but it was it'd speak for it now. But when Shaw wrote this, you really could tell block to block where you were from by your accent, by your dialect. So um, you know, it's 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 a more class ridden. Uh, class stratified society on the surface um, than 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 we are, you know. So uh, there we go. Let's talk movies, shall we? Because one, I, I've I've missed this couple. I've known about the story for a couple weeks, actually for about a month, and I've totally forgot to mention it. It's just kind of a follow up to something. Here we are from the beginning from last summer when we had Dana Nachman on the podcast talk about her upcoming documentary, Bat Kid Begins. Warner Brothers picked it up for release. It's yeah. coming to a theater near you on June 26th. It is getting a Did you watch the trailer? Release. No, I haven't watched the trailer yet. It's, it's kind of cool when you watch the trailer and it's got the Warner Brothers logo going running before think, it. I find that thrilling. That you know, we, we actually were there at the ground floor of, of, of talking with these people and seeing it come to this fruition is so exciting that not only is there going to be a feature adaptation, a somewhat fictionalized based on a true story version of this film but well, you know you and I both saw this at CineQuest I don't I, I know there are people that won't see it because it's a documentary and I'm not here to judge you if you're somebody who says I don't like documentaries well you should totally watch this one because it's just amazing but well, it's, it's 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 shot so narrative beginning to end without any kind of voiceover judgmental thing it's just people talking about what's going on yeah it, it doesn't feel like a lot of documentaries it's not you know but it's it, it is, has a good flow and they were lucky before they came in is that the is that make a wish did film a lot of behind the scenes yeah. stuff because they knew they wanted to do something thinking for nothing it was a fundraising film so they had kurt kenny who came in as editor and co-writer on this uh, you know, had access to a lot of footage that he wasn't sure he was going to have access to. He and I talked to Cinequest about yeah. that. And, you know, so, so like the voiceover is post event, but you've got everything going on as it, as yeah, it builds. And it was really well documented. And of course we are living in that age where of course something like that, you're going to document. And if you don't like documentaries, I'm sorry for you because you're missing just such an up and enriching and human well, story. I would say if you don't like documentaries that again, that's Okay. Give this one yeah. a shot is the better way to put it because that's what I what I think it is is it it tells the story so well and again it is I as I said a year ago when they when Dana was on or ten months ago eleven months ago when she was on is that when a quarter of the planet stopped for a moment to say we'd like things to be better I you know it's worth noting again. And it's worth popping in. This is one that I'm like, ah, I want the Blu-ray. I want to show my kids. I'll take them to see it in the theater. Um, so that's the that's the upside. Um, I, so I just wanted to make sure people were aware that June 26th, Bat Kid begins. We and you can go back and hear our old podcast interviewing when it was in its uh, formative stage. And here we are. We've seen something all the way through. Uh, this week on the internet, people were very excited about. Uh, Shots of crossbones from Captain America: Civil, Civil War. War, and there were shots of uh, them fighting. Captain He's got robot fists because <laughs> he was Pow. a mess. <laughs> Pow! I never quite understand how those work on Sparks, Nevada. <laughs> now you will. <laughs> no, it's going to take Marvel to show me again. There goes that Sparks, Nevada movie. Um, but anyway, 
so I'm very, you know, I, I and people are like, well, he doesn't look quite the way he does because it's like he's got the, it's kind of spray painted on his. I'm like, yeah, again, you know, relax. I'm going to agree with what Eric Larson said when we interviewed him a few, a couple months ago. That I would like for a comic for a comic book movie to just say uh, to give in and just go, let's go for as close to the costume as possible. You know, I would like that without trying to make it seem like yeah, this could exist in the real world. Yeah, and yet I understand the urge, and at least Marvel has struck a, a, a happy balance. I think it is something I think the DC TV shows are doing very well. I think the that I think they are. I think that the the Arrow one. Has has evolving m- into the arrow has suit, has you know? changed and and the flash from we'll talk, the start was really good. Let's talk about it because there's yeah. another thing that I keep forgetting to notice and then it happens. We'll talk about it when we talk about those finales. Um, it was released today that there are spoilers about the and I actually don't consider this spoiler, so I'm not going to spoil it um, if it is indeed a plot twist. But it was something that I actually expected. But because they've released the solicitation images for the Lego sets. That there are plot revelations in the Ant-Man Lego sets because of who the minifigs are. Okay. And so, I, you know, I, more than ever, I respect... I have Ant- a guess. Go ahead. I haven't seen I haven't seen this. I'm just going to guess right off the bat. Is there a giant man figure? No. Okay. No. Um, but I respect more than ever why we didn't get a, a dancing Groot toy right when Guardians of the Galaxy opened because James Gunn is right because toy companies spoil endings because they have to uh, get yeah. orders for the toys they have to yeah. I do get that but I'm glad you know I'm glad we had to wait four or five months or six months for a, da- a baby dancing Groot figure of anything because he wanted that little special thing to still be yeah. A special revelation. It's nice that somebody film. cares about that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's not to say that they don't, that, they, that anybody else doesn't. It's just like... Well, he cared and made the effort. Yeah, I mean. yeah. But, you know, because I, I am tired of, like, all the negativity. Uh, Suicide Squad had more pictures of Jared Leto and of... Uh, uh, what's her name? The woman playing Harley Quinn. Um, yeah. But there, let's say there are more pictures of... of the Joker and Harley Quinn and all the negativity. And I'm just like one. And even I got this, I had this feeling with the crossbones and Captain America photos. Like I don't want to see the animatics of everything before the movie opens. Right. Save something for me. Right. And again, it's a movie version of the Joker. You don't like what that looks like. There are still hundreds of comics in which the Joker looks like something you like. So watch that. Yeah. Read those. Go back and watch Cesar Romero. Well, you prefer it, Heath Ledger? Watch The Dark Knight you know, It's again. not even worth getting excited about because you pointed it out last week. There are people who get upset because it's three, four diamonds instead of three. Yeah. You know, so you are never going to satisfy those people. Let them stew, and then they'll come around two weeks after the movie comes out, and they finally go see it, and they go, yeah, that was really good. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly. So um, we shall move from there. Um, an interesting casting thing, Andrea Riseborough, uh, obviously a female actress, not a man named Andrea, is going to be the villain top dollar who uh, w- was quite frightening in the original Crow movie, in the Crow remake, which is with uh, Jack Houston, not Danny Houston, uh, the younger Houston grandson uh is playing the crow now i mean that is his stance there's been about four or five different actors attached with this remake um 
but that they cast the big villain of the original graphic novel as well, uh, recast who has been played on television because there was a TV series Stairway to yeah uh, it was a, ser- a serialized stories yeah there was a I uh-huh. I watched one episode thought uh, it's okay well, but again I'm not a, full full disclosure I'm not a huge Crow fan I yeah. liked the original movie. I've tried. Re- I've read the graphic novel a couple times because the first time I was like, "Well, maybe I just didn't get it." You know, uh, I'm always willing to say that. And I read it a second time. I went, "I, it's just not my thing." I saw the movie first, and I was still amazed that that movie came out of the the original story because I didn't think the, the, the no, original I would agree story with that too. That I would agree. I would agree with that. Cohesive. Too. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and proof is that it's not a character that uh, it's, it's not like an ongoing franchise of comics either, right? You know, uh, people have tried from time to time, and it's just not. And it's not. It's not a. It's not a consistent interpretation of the character either and, in the and, comics. Yeah. And I'll be honest, and not in the way that like uh, Grendel had various no. different things, but they were all interesting takes on a concept, right? Um, you know, I'll be honest. I don't feel like a Crow remake needed to happen, but if you're gonna do it. Do something different and do something drastic enough to reflect. So I think this is a good casting choice. Uh, that's very interesting. We also heard some Flash movie. <laughs> you had the note, and I, put, I was like, yeah, we should talk about Phil Lord, one of the guys that did the Lego movie. Uh, I love this quote. It's interesting because there's a really popular TV show out there, and we're trying to carve out space for the movie that's apart from that. Said on the Hippo Juice podcast. I believe it's going to be Barry Allen. They haven't even decided that. It's going to be its own. We're more trying to stick with the cinematic universe. It really is its own thing and kind of a standalone movie. Well, that's not what DC is saying. They wanted to tie in with the Justice League. Yeah. We're just trying to think of the best story. I think you guys will like it. It's kind of a different take on superhero stuff, to which I've already seen tons of responses going, have you seen the TV show? It's not a different take, and we love that. We yeah. don't want a different. Right, right, right. You know, and it's again, like, I'm going to table it because you got to talk about the Flash finale. I'm going to table for a moment because, uh, but um, I think this is a very talented filmmaker. Don't get me wrong, but to have to make a public statement like this, somebody within Warner, because I know what happens is the movie division and the TV division are very—they don't talk to each other very often, right? But somebody within Warner has started has had to start noticing. Everybody loves Grant Gustin. Right. There's somebody right. Cons- consistently saying, did we screw up? And I, I'm not, I wasn't going to, the original note was very negative. And I'm like, I, but here, oh. here's my feeling. You don't know. I'm very negative release. about most of the movies they're doing right now. So yeah, in I, keeping with but, that. But I don't know because I, I've heard, you go on the Marvel side. I thought that Robert Downey Jr., was a fantastic choice for Tony Stark from the get-go. Right. But I have several friends who are like, what a weird choice. I don't think you were one of them. No, I was But not. there are people that have been on this podcast who were and admitted, you know, oh, that was, you know, we were wrong. And I'm like, I, I want to withhold judgment, say once I see the final, because I also want to say this, I know that no filmmaker goes into a project, even a big budget, it, you know, they're they're trying to make money. I get that. No filmmaker goes in with the intention of, I'm going to make a crappy movie. As much as I don't think I'm going to like Fantastic Four, I don't think Josh Trank purposely tried to sabotage the concept. I think he just applied his sensibility. Whether I like that or not, that's a different issue. Yeah. So I don't want to say, Phil Lord, I like you as a filmmaker. Problem is, there really is a version of The Flash that has just, just struck a chord with people. Right. And the guy playing him in the film, Ezra Miller, I think is his name. Yeah. Maybe a great actor. I don't think I've actually seen any movies with him, but 
okay. Um, you know, he might be a great actor, but I have so embraced Grant Gustin, and I didn't want to embrace him either. Don't get that. And that's why I say the proof is in the pudding. I didn't think it was a good idea when they cast him. I'm like, he doesn't look like Barry Allen. Yeah. He's not who I know. And then I watched that show and went, fantastic. We'll table back. Yeah. Because I do want to talk about a film that opens by the, you know, that's opening this weekend. Uh, Poltergeist. No, did you realize that the Poltergeist is opening this weekend? Yeah. I've been seeing the commercials for it. There were no press screenings. Yeah. I double-checked. I, I I have no hopes for it. And I feel terrible. I mean, it's produced by Sam Raimi. Uh-huh. Uh, David Lindsay Bear, who I think is a fantastic playwright, uh, wrote it, again, with all good intentions, and they have hidden this from the press. Nobody's talking about Poltergeist. Creepy poster focusing on the thing that probably shouldn't be focused on, which is the clown. Um but, you know, I just want to say that I'm not talking about Poltergeist tonight. I'm actually talking about Tomorrowland, which is the big one, which has been years of buildup in what's going on with this. Nobody seems to know. Um, I'm going to agree with uh, with Drew McQueenie over at HitFix, who said the thing is like a log line appeared two years ago explaining what Tomorrowland, which originally the script title was called 1952. And um, 1952 is the one year that doesn't appear in this. So, no, it has nothing to do with 90. It was like a, a you know. Uh, a blue harvest kind of right, right. Uh, the feel, but the log line essentially the one sentence summing up the movie turns out to actually sum up the movie. Uh, a girl and a, an older man try to break into this futuristic utopia to fix what went wrong with it, and that's essentially the plot of the film. Um, I took uh, noted curmudgeon Jason Salazar, um, celebrated curmudgeon, celebrated <laughs> curmudgeon, and he really liked it. So I'm going to uh, affirm with that. I think, oddly, I found myself in the place of I don't think I liked it as much as Jason did. But what we both agreed on was this. It's a family film in the way that there aren't too many. And Disney is once again really carving out because it's a quality family film. I think there are kids' movies made that are kind of stupid. Big budget. It's a big budget family film in the way that Disney would do in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you think about that, man, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was a Disney movie. Oh, yeah. You know, and that was appropriate for everybody. It was a good adventure, didn't talk down. This kind of does. Um, and uh, it is it is notable in that I think that families will enjoy it. I'm not going to begrudge going to take my kids again this, to see it this weekend. But it's also really on the nose with its message. Hmm. And there's kind of a tonal kind of whacked out thing where um, Brad Bird is the director Damon Lindelof is the screenwriter Brad Bird is director whose work I've liked I still haven't seen that Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol that he directed I didn't see it but you know I've seen I think everything else Brad Bird has directed uh, mostly animated films that I all that I love unilaterally and this has struck me as, as if it had been a Pixar movie, I wouldn't probably wouldn't have been bothered by how overt the message is. And yet I agree with the message. So I had to I, I'm kind of torn with that. I'll probably write it out better because I know we want to talk about other things tonight. But I think it's a family film. I just don't think it's going to be the really cool blockbuster that Disney was kind of hoping it would be. But it's going to be a good thing for families to go out to. Go I think so. To. Although there are surprisingly dark moments, but they're they happen to audio animatronics and then right. that's the thing is it does a good job of touching on all the different Tomorrowlands, but there's a lot that's sort of left unexplained and I think is probably further explained in the book I bought a few weeks ago but haven't had a chance to read it the one that's set in the 30s called Before Tomorrowland do they, do they have rocket rods? 
Um, there is a there is a visual that there are monorails that don't have rails, um, and then it opens at the World's Fair in 1964, okay. and it opens with a song, with a great big beautiful tomorrow. Um, it's a small world is there, but what I found curiously absent was any reference to Walt Disney himself knowing anything. And I know they had just done Saving Mr. Banks, and you probably didn't want to have you could have shelled out and had Tom Hanks make a make yeah. a little cameo as Walt. Um, he's just playing, he he's playing Robert Langdon right now in the next. Uh, because, yeah, I was clamoring for that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was, you know. I it, Inferno. I didn't love it as much as I, I wanted to. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I'd say it's probably a B if I had to give it a rating. Um, but uh, anyway, so let's talk about television because that's where things really got. got. Uh, talk about Arrow and Flash together. We've promised these gushing and... I meant to watch the Arrow finale completely out of context because I haven't caught up. You haven't watched it yet? No, but I know that, oh. you know, they're on it. So, I mean, it's okay. I know that there's, you know, because Amel gave an interview and said, I'm not Arrow anymore. I'm not going to wear that costume. He's clearly, you know, on Flash. They've already made references. Oh, you changed your duds. You know, so each season we're getting closer and closer to the Green Arrow we like. You know, right. and it's clearly for a show that was rooted very much in, no, it's only going to be realistic. It had to give it up because once you had... Barry Allen show up it's like you know there so tell me you want to gush a little about the Arrow finale and then we can gush together about the Flash I finale. did like the Arrow finale better than I liked the Flash finale you're kidding me I am not and not for the same reasons you I think you really liked the Flash finale but I, I thought that the Arrow finale locked down all the loose ends and if they were going to end the series there they could do it right there so it's a good fair. it's a good position to be in. <laughs> Whereas the flash finale was nothing but loose ends. <laughs> yeah, it's a good it's a good position to be in after oh, they had three four seasons. Flash this is finale? three. This is the third one. So going into the fourth season, they are open to making any number of changes to this show. There is there's a scene that I I, I posted this on Facebook, so you had to read it. So I'm not spoiling I anything. I didn't have more. to. I, I may not have. Uh, I don't because of Facebook. I don't necessarily see. Okay, uh, but there's there's a scene at the end where the only thing that's missing is Alfred, and I'm not going to say anything more. Um, the uh, it 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 was it was a season that I wasn't entirely happy with the fact that again they borrowed so much from the Batman mythos with the Rachel Ghoul yeah. and the the demon's head and, and I admit I still think it's kind of weird that so much of that is right out of Batman and and, and the same thing happened on Smallville with Arrow was they yeah. made him Batman. Yeah. And I mean, you and, know, and, and the comics have made that joke of like I still I can't remember which book it was where Batman was going through the Arrow Cave and said, My God, Oliver, did you do anything original? Yes. You know? <laughs> well I mean they were pretty much the same they both had cars, they yeah. both had sidekicks. Not originally, they, but yeah. yeah. Well, no. Originally, they did. I don't I mean, know if the arrow car and the arrow cave go I'm back. Pretty as far sure as there was an arrow car and arrow cave. I know there are in fifties reprints that I've okay. seen. I don't know. I got to reread. Uh, I've got the Seven Soldiers of Victory um, archive editions, okay. so I got to read further into those. Anyway, so um, just from the from the pure storytelling of a finale, and and delivering on every every bit of the tr- of the. Um, of the storyline that they've been building up, yeah. uh, I felt it was it was a a solid, very good finale for a show that I haven't been invested in through the whole season. It yeah. brought me back, and I'm looking forward to the next season. So. Uh, you know, I it's I this is a summer goal. I'm going to say it right now. 
I have one and two on Blu-ray, plus access on Netflix, I'm sure. I'm going to catch up. Um, and probably through Hulu Plus, I can catch up on season three mm-hmm. at, before it starts up again. Because that is, if nothing else, by the time the next television season starts, I will be caught up on Arrow because I have to keep abreast of all these DC shows, except somewhat ironically, Gotham. Uh, I'm almost I'm almost caught up. I have one episode left of Gotham to watch, and some of it just really irritates the crap out of me. Some I will, of it I love. I will tell you my one complaint about, about Arrow, and it's fundamental, and that is that apparently... Nanda Parbat, which again is borrowed from Dead Man, Man yes. Um, but Nanda Parbat, which is where the demon's head and, and the yeah. ra- is apparently like two exits down from Starling City. Well, that's the Smallville syndrome. Yeah, Smallville like, the same thing. You're like, hey, let's go over, let's go over to Metropolis, Nanda Parbat for the weekend, uh, you know, and Metropolis, then we'll come back Monday. Metropolis was a port city in Kansas, yes, just an hour exactly, away from Smallville, exactly. Yeah, exactly. uh, uh, in Smallville. So, but we're talking about someplace that should be like. An, an eight-hour plane ride, at least. Yes. Um, although, but the fact that Nanda Parbat's there makes me hope that maybe Dead Man will show up. Yeah, maybe. Um, because over on The Flash, I, I admit, you're right, it ends with so many loose ends in a way that I just went, well, let me put it this way. So I didn't watch it on Tuesday night because I went to the Tomorrowland screening. Wednesday morning, I get a text from Troy Benson, all caps and about five exclamation points, Flash! <laughs> he says, <laughs> and what he said is, the only thing, he says, this is my review, the only thing that would have po- could have possibly made it better is if they had actually played the Flash song at the end. <laughs> and I went, okay, that's high praise. Uh, and so I watched it. And um, there are so many, and I'm, uh, spoilers on right here. Um, one, yes, one of the things that made it so compelling to me was, you realize about three quarters of that episode go by before he even uses superpowers. Yes. It's the emotional beats. Right. Uh, Jesse L. Martin as, as Detective West, and the whole father-son thing there, and his will, and to sacrifice having Barry as his son, you know, and, and that agony, I, that just resonated so hard. Um, but then when you get to the action, and it was a... a okay, so, so l- I hold on just a second. I, I, let's, 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 let's take that. So the... It's that's three quarters of the of the of the episode, and it's basically delivering on stuff they've been building up through the whole right. season. So, so, and I Barry agree with, with his you. Father I agree in with prison, you. boom, that gets me. Yeah, that whole speech about she'd just be proud. I don't want you to take the risk. Boom, right. And John Wesley Ship, it's just like John Schneider on Smallville. He has become America's dad, as far as I'm concerned. Even though he's a prisoner, um, you know that he's that he's there because I totally believe. And it was the first time I've looked at them and gone, they do kind of look like father and son. Yeah. And and, and it was just so fantastic there. Then the but, scene with Jesse L. Martin. Okay. And then the scene uh, where when he does successfully go back. Okay. Before that, though. Yeah. You, you're, you're jumping on off a couple I'm of. I'm jumping with the emotional beats. What makes the, it so fantastic? The, the um, scenes with, um, I'm blocking his name now, uh, Thon. Th- th- Thon. In jail, Lord, were awesome. He is so amazing. He was uh, his his Kevin his delivery is Tom so Kevin good, Austin. and his interplay with Cisco in that scene was masterful. Who is revealed to be Vibe essentially without saying? It. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I was wondering the exact same question. He is like, when they're all talking about, it, you won't remember this. I'm like, but Cisco does. Yeah, but Cisco does. Why oh. does Cisco remember? Yes. Yeah. 
and he puts it all together like that. But I mean, it's so, a rare act. Tom Cavanaugh is someone who's been known as a very quirky actor because of Ed, you know, and he's kind of you know, and a couple of roles after that TV show Ed, yeah. he essentially did the same thing. Um, you know, it was a character very similar. Then he had a show called Love Monkey. Um, and it was similar, and in here, as Harrison Wells as Eobard Thawne, the whole thing where he really does have a difficult time reconciling that he hates the future the older Barry, but likes but the, likes the younger one and has come to truly care about and you he's conflicted see that going but the older version is the one he hates more you know yeah. it, it's it's fascinating then you go back in time and you and he okay sees so now his, we're talking about the last quarter and, of the and episode here's a subtle thing i had not noticed in appearances before the older Barry does wear a uniform much closer to the comics yes. uniform. Yeah. So, but that just killed me when he when he opened the door and the older Barry stops him. Yes. And I'm like, oh no! They borrowed from Birthright, which I've it's one of the few times I've ever written an email directly to a writer because I could because I had his email address. But after Birthright with Superman, you know, the ending of that to me is so pitch perfect and mark wade does not get enough credit for that the flash season finale owed a lot to that idea which maybe that is low-hanging fruit and maybe they don't know about it but the idea that it's not important to save that that all apparent which and i realized it was there with what henry said to him yeah it, we just wanted she would just want to know the man you have become she'd be really proud right and to say that and so i'm like okay you've made me cry now three times and then you make me just about wet myself with Jay Garrick's helmet coming out of the wormhole. Yeah. And of Eobard Thawne knowing perfectly well what it is. And I got to get out of here now. <laughs> <laughs> My only disappointment is that Jay Garrick didn't run out. Right, you know? right. But then just the coming out the coming with the out fist was... looking like Ultraman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. With the beta capsule. And you get a view of Hawkgirl. You get a reference to Rip Hunter. And the time bubble is... Can the Legion of Superheroes be far behind in Legends of Tomorrow? Now, the, the, when we talk about the time bubble, they had to, they built the time a, sphere. I'm sorry, sphere. called the time sphere, and that actually was a controversial shot that showed up in Legends of Tomorrow. They yeah. actually had that scene of oh yeah of remember, and they and he of Wells it. in no no, but they had the, that scene yeah. Wells and it and there were people going was that was that him is he in legends of tomorrow and it was just a bar, it was a borrowed shot so you could show a time bubble i'm pretty sure i don't expect to see wells in legends of tomorrow and uh, and i think why because i think that wells is coming back i think okay. the reverse flash is not dead i think there's going to be because now there's a lot of parallel universe stuff open up earth 2 is very open and grant gustin has said the same said it Earth 2 may appear next year. Um, I, for all the reasons we read comic books and all the things we see in comic books, I won't rule it out. I think it's unnecessary. I'd like to see them go different directions and not just go back to to threads and stuff that have been exposed in other shows. I, I, mean, I really would. And the, Here is the only reason that I think that, uh, that Thawne has to show. I don't want him to dominate the season. Yeah. But I do think Reverse Flash has to come back because the same issue is... Uh, which they did answer to me it was like why he wasn't going back to save his mother. It, it's like that fight between the older Barry and Eobard Thawne still has to happen. 
because it's still a part of Barry's development. So I think he might recur. He might show up again, and I will figure out how. But the sacrifice of Eddie, that stunned the hell out of me. And, you know, a final heroic, because I was getting to the point of, when it started, when the show started and they had Eddie Thawne, I'm like, eh, he's going to turn out to be bad. I don't like that. I don't want him to turn right. out to be bad. Right. And then I realized he never was. No. He never was. And to give him such a redemptive, and it may not be an ending because, again, you've got parallel universes now. Anything can happen. Right. And that's what I love is now anything can happen. And I don't mean just plot-wise. I mean that any element we love from the comics could come in and that's why I, I i i'll stand by this is the best adaptation so i will i will agree with you on everything you've spoken about I, I agree with you the parts that fell flat for me were it was a great cgi sequence of him running up the side of the building to the vortex yeah. i didn't buy the running around inside the vortex that i mean there wasn't enough explanation i couldn't see what was going on what's he what's he running on well we'll Usually. see so there's that um I did love the the coming back through the the fist the 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 fist leading the Ultraman shot to to destroy the time sphere and Wells. Um, I just I just it didn't it didn't it wasn't cohesive enough. There were some marvelous moments in it, but I think that oh it I would I would I would love to have seen them do the same kind of finish as they did for Arrow in that show and then i would have been going that was that was great i think they've left it it was i, I it flowed for me and the and, and i i don't know why they're making a big deal out of this but they but they but i guess maybe they don't normally do this is now next week they start over from episode one and they're doing a full-on yeah repeat of the season for people to catch up yeah um it's almost an old school concept you know what they're gonna do? do it i bet you uh, i i suspect it drop little preview hints Damn it! No, when's when's uh, Batman v Superman come out? February. So that's not, not that's too long to lead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I mean you're going to lead into. I think that Legends of Tomorrow was still set up to be a 2016. I think it's 2016. Is what they're not saying. Not sure where Super. I think Super. So there was a picture. Uh, there's an article uh, on Greg Berlanti who's producing all these shows, and and I went. I mean, I already knew that I wanted this to happen, but they took a picture of. Uh, Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin in costume about to launch on a race with Greg Berlanti between them. And I thought, you have to cross over. Because it's exactly, you know, it is what I like, and we've talked about this before, is Grant Gustin has brought to life why people, or maybe why I'm a DC kid, or mm-hmm. why I was a DC kid. The hope, the optimism of that character that I mean, and that there was a line it, it wasn't too on the nose it was exactly right but to but to reverse flash i already have the life i want yeah and that acceptance that realization that this season and that they showed things you saw killer frost you saw the flash museum you saw for some reason barry behind bars and you know even <laughs> martin stein to ronnie Let's not fight on our wedding day. <laughs> oh, but uh, I, that was the, the other scene that was in the first quarter that I thought was just great was Stein's discussion with Eddie. Eddie. Yes. Stein, uh, they finally gave Stein something to do except for being, uh, besides being a kind of a stick in the mud curmudgeon. And I think that's the role he's going to play on Legends Tomorrow because they still don't have 
Robbie Amell announced as a cast member. I think yeah. he's going to come in occasionally for Firestorm to do things. But I think it's going to be Martin Stein accepting his role as a mentor to all these okay. characters. And, and I think Victor it's fine. Garber is too good an actor yeah. to waste in any other kind of well, role. Well, they wasted him all season long until that episode. It's hard to say all season long. He was in three episodes. Well. Yeah. <laughs> so out of 23. Only three? Yeah. It seemed like more. Okay. Yeah. Because he didn't. Because when Firestorm appeared last week, he most of Firestorm appearances have been, at, been without Martin Stein. Okay. You know, so there were two where he discovered, explored, and then this one. That's three. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so that seventy-five percent of his experience of his uh, episodes. Yeah. Okay. Sixty-six oh. percent. It was only three episodes, and it was better. Than this was a third. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and I thought you were better at math than me. Uh, David Lynch has returned to Twin Peaks, which is the most exciting thing I could hear this week. I knew it was going to happen. Showtime. Right along with more than nine episodes. episodes. Did they say a full, did they say 13 or did they just they not say they the said, number? They said they're not limiting it to nine episodes. Which is both good and bad. I, you know, Here's my thing. I think with nine episodes, it would have almost forced David Lynch into being a little more concise than he wants to. Here's my, here's my fear about it is that. Because I've rewatched that show. Yeah. When it, it's bad. It's horrible. No, no, no. I, and and I'll, I'll tell you when it's bad. It's when when Lynch is 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 allowing himself to dwell on something yes. for a long period of time. Yeah. The hands full of baked beans. You know, scene, um, which I personally love that scene. But, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, but he does he does that kind of I'm stuff over. Judging you. And I, I uh, actually I do hope that Lynch is going to appear in in the show wearing the same he's got to wearing the same hearing aids from 1980s agent copper yeah yeah how you found it now you know i mean it'll be interesting because some of the things that i would want to see they just can't happen the guy who played bob is is long past uh jack nance look alike i mean he's a demon anyway jack nance who was so crucial yeah, you know, gone. is gone unfortunately. But there are so many cast members that I do want to see what had happened, and you know, I well, it's going to be if if they bring in Kyle McLaughlin, he's much McLaughlin older than he did, was, yeah. and it will be only natural that some people will have passed on. You know, that, yeah, yeah it's and yet there fun. are still some that I would have thought have who are still around, and yeah. so they're going to be there. It's great, you know. They Russ Tamlin died, didn't he? No, no, he okay. No, his daughter married David Cross, so that was close. Okay. Um, yeah, Russ Tamplin is still alive. Okay. I, I, I haven't seen a photo of him in a while, but he's still living. Sherilyn Finn is still alive. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Even, uh, yeah, I think it's really just a couple of people that you wouldn't have expected to have died who did. Hmm. Um, and, and the guy who played Bob died way too young. I mean, he was like only like 50, 51. It was, yeah. you know, it was just sad. But I would argue that he's not going to be that hard to recast. Maybe it I wasn't think, a speaking I role. I think it wasn't. he could be more of a force. You're absolutely, you're yeah. absolutely right. What I would love to see is if David Bowie shows up, oh, because he nice. was in Firewalk with me, and as a he had been affected by Bob. Yeah. Uh, so it would be really cool if little things off to the side. You got Chris Isaac to come back in. I mean, there's so much potential. I would just love to see happen. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, the last thing it was an off the cuff remark at this point, and I, but we can dream. We can dream. Well. 
I don't know if I want that. I mean, I can create these things at home. Bob <laughs> Iger, in a conversation, was asked about television possibilities and network possibilities. And they already have uh, – Bob Iger is the head of Disney, uh, who just extended his contract because he was talking about his exit strategy and who was going there, there's been a lot of talk within Disney of you know who's going to take over when Bob steps down. And he extended his contract. He was originally going to uh, retire in 2008 or step down in 2018. I think it's called retirement. Do other things. Uh, I believe he's now extended to 2020 because there's still a couple of legacy pieces he needs to finish up that I don't think we're going to be finished by 2018. Uh, but I like him. I think he's been, you know, uh, I know I heard excitement from the end of your house, um, the other end of your house. Uh, it happens. He's gaming. Uh, Shang-Chi just defeated Fu Manchu at the other end of the Brett Cave. And uh, going to have to repaint. Again. Anyway, uh, Bob Iger, uh, you know, he, he redid California Adventure. He's overseeing Shanghai Disneyland. A lot of a lot of great things. Um, and he's taken a lot of responsibility for things that have gone wrong in the past of Disney and why he's fixing He's been very honest, to me anyway, a CEO. Um, so he was asked about television and he said uh, that there was a possibility that they were looking into, it, was kind of, it just felt like an off-the-cuff remark, a Star Wars channel and a Marvel channel. Now there is, granted, there is enough programming you could do it. You could take those Netflix series and have like Marvel Swim, you know. Um, in a couple of years, you could do a Marvel uh, Marvel Channel where all the Netflix series go are, are shown there. Cartoons on Saturday mornings or in the afternoons, and Shield and all the movies run through. And you got every cartoons. Sunday, and you got cartoons. The Star Wars special to celebrate Life but Day. That's on the Star Wars Channel. Oh no, don't I? I kind of feel don't you? I don't know. If they wanted to release the Star Wars holiday special, uh-huh. they'd have found a way already. Yeah. You know, so. But the thing is, I think the thing is we could already create that. I think Disney XD is already, if you wanted to create a Marvel block. Yeah. And a Star Wars block on Disney XD, they've already got three channels. Toon Disney, Disney Channel, and Disney XD. Plus ABC Family. Plus ABC. Which, in a couple of years, it's going to be Star Wars and, and Marvel anyway. So, um. I, I actually think it was just a way to brag about the amount of content they're going to come out with. I, I would, th- I, I'm, I'm more inclined towards that as well. I think they're doing much better by just letting those shows rotate around. Uh, you know, uh, Rebels has been on Disney XD, but it showed on the regular to a uh, regular Disney Channel. Droids has not been replayed ever. I don't or or Ewoks or Ewoks, but Droids has never been. <laughs> I don't remember the. Ewo- I don't. I never watched either one of them. I so. watched Droids. The only thing I could see standing in the way, I don't know if it stands in the way, is that um, is that it's uh, Nelvana, uh, the Canadian animation firm, yeah. did those shows. So I'm not positive where the stand. Just like you know, I th- what people keep forgetting about the first three, uh, about four, five, six. Actually, one, two, three, four, five, six, is that because Fox released them. Disney does even that digital release they just did. They had to negotiate in conjunction with Fox for some reason that I don't quite understand because I didn't go to law school why the copyright is still there. If Lucas owned Star Wars as a concept, why Fox still get gets to I mean they it must have some kind of residual distribution. Maybe at some point Fox you know and and which let's not under, let's not sell that one short as a reason why uh, X-Men and Fantastic Four. Ike Perlmutter already doesn't want to help, and Fox 
is also got its fingers in another one of Disney's major mm-hmm. major purchases. You know, I wouldn't, and and nobody likes Rupert Murdoch, um, not mm-hmm. even his own family. So you know, I, I could see that there's there's some animosity corporate wise, but there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of money to be made. Always, always, just like the forces with you. Always. always. There's money to be made. So is the Fanboy Planet podcast. We shall be with you always because we're rapidly approaching our 400th episode. Is that right? And that's even with bonus this episodes. This is 398. This is 398. 399 is going to be at Bacon, um, which is not open to the public as much as I'd like it to be. I mean, you can so go open to the Bacon public if you want to pay to get in. You need to pay to get in. But I understand if you don't want to pay just to hear the Fanboy Planet podcast live. But we will have as our guest writer, director, actor, Amber Benson, who was Tara on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, has written a series of books, uh, Ghosts of Albion. She's also written another series called Death's Daughter. And she directed, I hinted at this last week, and I don't know if Rick really knows the connection. She has directed the one film written by Acker and Blacker, Drones, which was on Netflix until last January of 2014, not 2015. Um, But it features a lot of the cast members from... Uh, thrilling Adventure Hour. Oh, that's interesting. And it's a it's a really funny little comedy about an alien invasion as told through being it, in an office space, and so it all takes place in the office, and realizing that this office is ground zero. For so who's alien in it invasion. from uh, Work Juice? Uh, there are several players. Uh, Dave Gruber, who's a recurring character. Um, Sparks Nevada, the guy who plays Sparks. Is a Mark others. Evan Jackson. Mark Evan Jackson. I think Gagliardi's in it. Uh, Thompson? Uh, Paul F. Tompkins is not Tompkins? in it. but uh, Paget Brewster? No, Paget's not. But uh, Busy Phillips? You want to just name them all? I No. Uh, Autumn Reaser? No. I'm a little uh, bit of a fanboy. I, I, clearly. Uh, uh, the, the guy who's, who's Dr. Venture. Um, oh, James Urbaniak. James Urbaniak is is in it as well. So, uh, and and then a few other people that you're like, oh, you know. And the thing is, I don't always, I don't know them all by face. So, you know, I know we know, uh, you know, we know a couple, but but uh, Mark Evan Jackson, who's getting a higher profile in film and television because he's on Brooklyn Nine Nine and he was in uh, Twenty Two Jump Street, you know. So uh, we're there, but but. Uh, it's a cute little film. We'll be talking about that. So we have Amber Benson on this. And then we have not yet scheduled 400. We're trying to make that in a public place. Uh, I won't. I mean, anybody who's listening to the podcast guesses where we're going to ask first. Uh, so there may be a little gap in Tradition. between. Yeah. There may be a little gap in between 399 and 400 as we try to arrange a place where people can come and see it on a day that we normally don't record. Uh, but everybody's got schedules. Everybody's busy. So we're going to see what we can do. Uh, so anyway. We're going to try and Federal Express uh, Nate up from L.A. for that one. Anything is possible. All I can tell you is it may take two boxes. Is episode gross? Episode four hundred will take place before Comic Con. So uh, anyway, uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to use use your your powers powers only only for for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you!
Okay, I think we got this down. <laughs>